Hello and welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Now that we've completed Shakespeare and Chekhov's canons, our troupe of professional and amateur theater lovers together is taking on great works across mediums. So from Aaron Sorkin to indie playwrights, Valentine's rom-coms, French classics, Greek tragedies, so much more. We've got everything coming up for you. So Shaw, Stoppard, Moliere, Efron, and so much more coming down the pike. So for you to enjoy in audio form here on our podcast feed, or if you want to catch all of our costumes, props, effects, and unplanned pet appearances, um, all of our readings are also available on our YouTube channel. Just search My Entertainment World and you'll see it there. Um, please keep in mind that these are genuinely cold readings. We're publishing unedited, so bear with us through some stumbles, tangents, and of course, every time someone's accidentally on mute. Um, that happens all the time. Sometimes people don't show up. You just got to bear with us. Uh, so to make sure you don't miss any of our content, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or on our podcast feed where you'll find episodes of all our favorite ongoing series, including this one, of course, as well as the Shakespeare series, the favorite series, Corona Movie Club, exclusive interviews, as well as our annual MLB roundtable discussion, which is my very favorite thing we do. So follow us on social media at MyEntWorld, my E-N-T world. Um, and of course, check out the website, MyEntertainmentWorld.ca, where you can find all of the above, as well as reviews, editorials, artist spotlights, and so much more. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. So if you did not listen to the previous episode, which is Angels in America Millennium Approaches, stop now, go back in your feed, find that one, listen to that one first, or you can watch it on YouTube. And make sure that you've seen that before you see this one, because this is Angels in America Perestroika, which is part two. This is not a Henry IV situation where you can sort of jump into the second part, having not seen the first part. There's a lot of crossover characters, but like for the most part, the plot is new. This plot is not new. This is a straight up continuation of the previous episode. So if you have not heard that or seen that, or I mean, you could independently be familiar with Angels in America. Most people are. Um, that's fine. But make sure you go back and listen so that you um, have been established with at least our versions of these characters um, and get to know this cast. Um, most of the things you need to know about this play I did tell you in part one, um, but I am going to tell you some more. So who did I not talk about? Um, Gabby Grice is our angel. I did not mention her the first time around, mostly because she doesn't she doesn't have as much to do in the first part, um, but she's she's wonderful as our angel. She's feisty and fun and just she's got a Gabby's got a wisdom to her that I really liked as the angel. Um, Nicole Falco plays Henry slash Mr. Lies, who's sort of a, an otherworldly kind of presence who comes and uh, is, I believe, a manifestation of uh, Harper's mind. So that was fun. Uh, we also have Melissa. Melissa Wright is our Emily, uh, who is the sort of sympathetic nurse uh, who cares for the people on the AIDS wards. She's lovely. Um, I talked about Elizabeth. Oh, Shailen Bass McFall uh, here is playing the Mormon mother and Rabbi Isidore Schlow. I don't know. I can't pronounce anything. I'm so sorry. But the rabbi. Um, so that's Shailen Bass McFall is here. Is Hillary Warding her? Yeah, Hillary Wardinger, I do know how to pronounce that one, is here as well as Oren Sarah Ironside and the radio voice. Um, so we had a lovely cast here. The main thing to know about this one is that we lost our prior in between parts one and part two. So actually, not in between parts one and part two. We did not realize we were priorless until 
we were supposed to have already started this reading. Um, and so we ended up shifting around this entire cast um, at like 7.05 when these things start at 7. So um, a bunch of people um, are playing characters other than who they originally meant to play. I believe Melissa has added um, the uh, the character who does the big opening speech that was new to her. I think some people generally throughout the whole cast, people have moved, moved things around to accommodate us having to take one of our utility players, Mark, who was playing, I think three or four different characters who then took over as prior Walter, one of the hardest roles in the English speaking Canon with negative five, 10 minutes of prep time. He had no idea he would be playing the role and he stepped up with absolutely no notice to do it. Um, so kudos to all the people who filled in for Mark's roles, but specifically to Mark Crater who stepped up and did a wonderful job as prior with, I really cannot stress this enough, absolutely no prep. Um, these things are always cold reads, uh, but people do, they, they, they get a chance to highlight their lines and read through. And some of them have uh, little annotation practices where they'll do a highlight at the beginning of the sentence sentence to denote, this is a question. So make sure you've got your intonation, right? Things like that. Um, then they are reading it mostly cold, but Mark was really, truly cold here. Um, and it really cannot be emphasized enough how difficult a role prior is. He's, he's, um, ostensibly, not ostensibly, he is the main character. Um, and it's also just a challenging role, uh, in terms of like the technical elements required. He's sick. He's, uh, I believe he's got a very specific, um, vocal affectation as well as being sick, as well as being like an otherworldly character, which is always tricky to play. So, um, and having really complex relationships with everybody else in the cast, which um, he did not have a chance to set up in part one, having not played them in part one. Uh, so, yeah, I think the really remarkable thing here is Mark, who really did a wonderful job as prior. Um, this play is so beautiful and so wonderful, and it's really a great conclusion to um, the great work that was done in part one. So, again, if you have not heard that, go back and listen to part one, then circle back, come listen to this. Um, and Angels in America. Yeah, it's it's so wonderful and beautiful and an and important piece of theater in our canon. So um, I'm, I'm really glad we got to do this. It was a really cool, epic experience. We are doing the roll call for Angels in America Part 2. So for stage directions, that would be me. I'm Basil Daoud. And uh, for the moment, playing Prior Walter, it's Mark Crater. I guess. And playing Harper, Amity Pitt, and the angel Africanii, that would be Laura Hubbard. Hello. Uh, playing Louis Ironson and the angel Australia, Michael Ross Albert. Hello. Uh, playing Roy M. Cohn and the angel Antarctica, Christopher Prentice. Hello. Uh, playing Joseph Porter Pitt, the angel Europa, and currently the Mormon father, it is Sean Wilson. Hello. And playing Hannah Porter Pitt and the angel Asiatica, that is Marlo K. Shaw. Hi. Playing Belize and the angel Oceania is Steve Vargo. Hello. Playing the angel and the voice, it's Gabby Grice. Hi. Playing Henry and Mr. Lies, it's Nicole Falgu. Hello. Uh, playing Emily and, let's uh, pray for me, 
Alexei Antidiluvianovich Prelapsarianov. It is Melissa Wright. Hi. Uh, where was I here? Ethel Rosenberg and Caleb is played by Elizabeth Morris. Hello. Uh, the Mormon Mother and Rabbi Isidore Shemelwitz. It's Shailen Bass McFall. Shailen Bass McFall. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> and Oren Sarah Ironson and the radio is played by Hilary Wardinger. Hello. On to the beginning. Act one, Spooge, January 1986. Scene one. In the darkness, a voice announces. In the Hall of Deputies, the Kremlin, January 1986. Alexei Antidiluvianovich Prilapsarianov, the world's oldest living Bolshevik. Lights up on Prilapsarianov at the podium before a great red flag. He is unimaginably old and totally blind. Great question before us is, are we doomed? The great question before us is, will the past release us? The great question before us is, can we change in time? And we all desire that change will come. And theory, how are we to proceed without theory? What system of thought have these reformers to present to this mad, swirling planetary disorganization? In the inevident welter of fact, event, phenomenon, calamity? Do they have, as we did, a beautiful theory, as bold, as grand, as comprehensive a construct? You can't imagine when we first read the classic texts, when in the dark, vexed night of our ignorance and terror, the seed words sprouted and shoved incomprehension aside, when the incredible bloody vegetables struggle up and through into red blooming, gave us praxis, true praxis, true theory married to actual life. You who live in this sour little age cannot imagine the grandeur of the prospect we gazed upon. Like standing atop the highest peak in the mighty Caucasus and viewing in one all-knowing glance the mountainous granite order of creation. You cannot imagine it. I weep for you. And what have you to offer now, children of this theory? What have you to offer in its place? Market incentives? American cheeseburgers? Watered down Bucharanite stopgap makeshift capitalism? Nep men? Pygmy children of a gigantic race. Change. Yes, we must change. Only show me the theory and I will be at the barricades. Show me the book of the next beautiful theory, and I promise you these blind eyes will see again just to read it, to devour that text.
Show me the words that will reorder the world. Or else, keep silent. If the snake sheds his skin before a new skin is ready, naked he will be in the world. Pray to the forces of chaos. Without his skin, he will be dismantled, lose coherence, and die. Have you, my little serpents, a new skin? A tremendous tearing and crashing sound. The great red flag is flown out. Lights come up on the same tableau as at the close of millennium approaches. Prior cowering in his bed, which is strewn with the wreckage of his bedroom ceiling, and the angel in a gown of surpassing whiteness, barefoot and magnificent, hovering in the air facing him. Then we dare not, we cannot, we must not move ahead. Greetings, prophet. The great work begins. The messenger has arrived. Go away. Scene two. The same night as the end of millennium, the sounds of wind and snow and magical Antarctic music. Mr. Lies is sitting alone playing the oboe in Harper's imaginary Antarctica. He stops playing and holds up the oboe. The oboe, official instrument of the International Order of Travel Agents. If the duck was a songbird, it would sing like this, nasal, desolate, the call of migratory things. Harper enters, dragging a small pine tree, which he felled. The fancy explorer gear from Millennium is gone. She is dressed in the hastily assembled outfit in which she fled the apartment at the end of Act Two of Millennium. She's been outdoors for three days now and looks it, filthy and disheveled. It's freezing. It's too cold. What happened to global warming? Where did you get that? From the great Antarctic pine forests? Right over that hill. There are no pine forests in Antarctica. I chewed this down with my teeth, like a beaver. Oh, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in three days. I'm going to use it to build uh, something, maybe a fire. I don't understand why I'm not dead. When your heart breaks, you should die. But there's still the rest of you. There are your breasts and your genitals, and they're amazingly stupid, like babies or faithful dogs, and they don't get it. They just want him. Joe enters the scene, dressed in the overcoat and suit in which he picked up Lewis in Act 3, Scene 7 of Millennium. He looks around uncertain of where he is till he sees Harper. The Eskimo's back. I know. I wanted a real Eskimo, someone chilly and reliable, dressed in seal pelts, not this. This is just some lawyer. Just... Hey, buddy. Hey. I looked for you. I've been everywhere. Well, you found me. No, I, I'm not looking now. I guess I'm having an adventure. Who with? Is it fun? Scary fun. 
Can I come with you? This isn't working anymore. I'm cold. I wouldn't want you to see. Think it's worse than what I imagine? It's not. I should go. Bastard. You fell out of love with me. That isn't true, Harper. Then come back. I can't. He vanishes. Mr. Lies plays the oboe, a brief wild lament. The magic Antarctic night fades away, replaced by a harsh sodium light and the ordinary sounds of the park and the city in the distance. Blues for the death of heaven. No. You overreached. Tore a big old hole in the sky. If I was a good Mormon, I could have pulled it off. I tried to tell you, there are no Eskimo in Antarctica. No, no trees either. So where did you get that? From the Botanical Gardens Arborium. It's right over there, Prospect Park. We're still in Brooklyn, I guess. The lights of a police car begin to flash. The The law. law. For real. Busted. (laughs) Damn. What a lousy vacation. Scene three. In the pit apartment in Brooklyn, a telephone rings. Hannah, carrying the bags and wearing the coat she had on in Act 3, Scene 4 of Millennium, enters the apartment, drops the bags, runs for the phone. Pit residence? No, he's out. This is his mother. No, I have no idea where he is. I have no idea. He was supposed to meet me at the airport, but I don't wait more than three and three quarters. What? Oh, my Lord. Is she? You. Wait, officer, I don't. She what? A pine tree? Why on earth would she chew up? Well, you have no business laughing about it, so you can stop that right now. That's ugly. I don't know where that is. I just arrived from Salt Lake and I barely found Brooklyn. I'll take a a taxi cab. Well, yes, of course, right now. No, no hospital. We don't need any of that. She's not insane. She's just peculiar. Tell her mother Pitt is coming. Scene four. Prior in bed alone, asleep the same night. The room is intact. No trace of the demolished ceiling. He's having a nightmare. He wakes up. Oh. Oh. He looks under the covers. He discovers that the lap of his pajamas is soaked in cum. Fuck. 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 Will you look at this? First goddamn orgasm in months, and I slept through it. Picks up the telephone receiver, dials a number. The phone rings by Belize's workstation on the 10th floor of New York Hospital. Belize answers. 10 East. I'm drenched in spooge. Spooge. Come, jizz, ejaculate. I've had a wet dream. Well, about time. This thing has been abstemious. She has stored up bakoop to spooge. It was a woman. You turning straight on me? 
not a conventional woman. Grace Jones. Hello? An angel. Oh, fabulous. I feel lascivious. Come over. I spent the whole day with you. I do have a life on my own, you know. I'm sad. I thought you were lascivious. Lascivious sad. Wonderful and horrible all at once. Like, like the... There's a war inside me. My eyes are funny. I, uh... Oh! Hmm. I'm crying. Crier? I'm scared and also full of, I don't know, uh, joy or, uh, or something. Hope. In the hospital, Henry, Roy's doctor, enters. Henry, Roy's doctor enters. Are you the duty nurse? Yo. Look, baby, I have to go. I'll... Are you the duty nurse? Yo, I said. Sing something first. Sing with me. Why are you dressed like that? You don't like it. Just one little song. Some hymn. Nurses are supposed to wear white. Doctors are supposed to be home in Westchester asleep. What him? Um, hark the herald angels. Nurse. One moment, please. This is an emergency. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the, the newborn king. Peace on Peace earth. On and mercy, mercy God reconcile. What's your name? Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph and the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is Christ born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. I'll call you back. There's a man bothering me. Jutem. Now, may I help you, doctor, or are you just cruising me? Emergency admit room 1013. Here are the charts. Start the drip, gamma G, and he'll need a CTM radiation in the morning. So clear diet and... Liver cancer? Oncology's on six, doll. This is the right floor. It says liver cancer. I don't give a fuck what it says. I said this is the right floor. Got it? Ooh, testy. He's a very important man. Oh, okay. Then I shouldn't fuck up his medication. I'll be back in the morning. Safe home. Henry leaves. Asshole. Belize picks up the phone and dials. Prior answers. I have some piping hot dish. Prior. Uh, 
uh, one second. Um, how can, how can it be at three in the... Get out your oven mitts. Guess who just checked in with the troubles? The killer queen herself, New York's number one closeted queer. Koch. No, no, not Koch. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. Fetch me the hammer and the pointy snake girl. Pointy stake, girl. I'm going in. Scene five. Roy in his hospital bed, sick and very scared. Belize enters with the IV drip. Oh, get out of here, you. I got nothing to say to you. Just doing my... I want my white nurse. My constitutional right. You're in a hospital. You don't have any constitutional rights. Belize begins preparing Roy's right arm for the IV drip, palpating the vein, disinfecting the skin, etc. Find the right vein, you moron. Don't just start jabbing that goddamn spigot in my arm till you find the fucking vein, or I'll sue you so bad they'll repossess your teeth, you dim black motherfucker. Watch yourself. You don't talk that way to me when I'm holding something this sharp. Or I might slip and stick it in your heart, if you have one. Oh, I do. Tough little muscle. Never bleeds. I bet. Now, I've been doing this drips a long time. I can slip this in so easy you'll think you were born with it, or I can make it feel like I just hooked you up to a bag of liquid Drano. So you be nice to me, or you're going to be one sorry asshole come morning. Nice. Nice. And quiet. Belize puts the drip needle in Roy's arm. There. I hurt! I'll get you a painkiller. Will it knock me out? I sure hope so. Then shove it. Pain's nothing. Pain's life. Sing it, baby. When they did my facelifts, I made the anesthesiologist use local. They lifted up my face like a dinner napkin, and I was wide awake to see it. Bullshit. No doctor would agree to that. I can get anyone to do anything I want. For instance, let's be friends. We shall overcome. Jews and coloreds. Historical liberal coalition, right? My people being the first to sell retail to your people, your people being the first people my people could afford to hire to sweep out the store Saturday mornings. And then we all held hands and rode the bus to Selma. Not me, of course. I don't ride buses. I take cabs. But the thing about the American Negro is he never went communist. Loser Jews did. But you people had Jesus, so the Reds never got to you. I admire that. Which I didn't mention you were delusional. Barking mad. Sit. Talk. Mr. Cohn, I'd rather suck pus out of an abscess. I'd rather drink a subway toilet. I'd rather chew off my tongue and spit it in your leathery face. So, thanks for the offer of conversation, but I'd rather not. Belize starts to exit, turning off the light as he does. Oh, for Christ's sake, what do I got to do, beg? I don't want to be alone. Belize stops. I fucking hate hospitals. Nurses. This waste of time and wasting weakness. I want to kill the... Of course, they can't kill this, can they? No, it's too simple. It knows itself. 
it's harder to kill something if it knows what it is. Like public pubic lice. You ever have pubic lice? That's none of your business. I got some kind of super crabs from some kid once. It took 20 drenchings of quell and finally shaving to get rid of the little bastards. Nothing could kill them. And every time I had to itch, I'd smile because I learned to respect them. These unlikable crabs, because I learned to identify, you know, determined low life, like me. You've seen lots of guys with this? Lots. How do I look, comparatively? I'd say you're in trouble. I'm going to die soon. That wasn't a question. Probably. Probably so. Huh. I appreciate the, the honesty or whatever. If I live, I could sue you for emotional distress, the whole hospital, but I'm not prejudiced. I'm not a prejudiced man. These racist guys, simpletons. I never had any use for them, too rigid. You want to keep your eye on where the most powerful enemy really is. I save my hate for what counts. Well, and I think that's a good idea. A good thing to do, probably. This didn't come from me, and I don't like you, but let me tell you a thing or two. They have you down for radiation tomorrow for the sarcoma lesions, and you, uh, and you don't want to let them do that because radiation will kill the T-cells and you don't have any you can afford to lose. So tell the doctor no thanks for the radi radiation. He won't want to listen. Persuade him, or he'll kill you. You're just a fucking nurse. Why should I listen to you over my very qualified, very expensive wasp doctor? He's not queer. I am. Don't wink at me. You said a thing or two, so that's one. I don't know what strings you pulled to get on the uh, azidothamidine trials. I have my little ways. Uh-huh. Watch out for the double blind. They'll want you to sign something that says they can give you M&Ms instead of the real drug. You'll die, but they'll get the kind of statistics they can publish in the New England Journal of Medicine. And you can't sue because you signed. And if you don't sign, no pills. So if you have any strings left, pull them because everyone's put through the double blind with this. Time's against you. You can't fuck around with placebos. You hate me. Yes. Why are you telling me this? I wish I knew. You're a Butterfinger spook faggot nurse. I think you have a little reason to want to help me. Consider it solidarity, one faggot to another. Any more of your lip boy and you'll be flipping Big Macs in East Hell before tomorrow night? And get me a real phone. With a hold button, I mean, look at this. It's just one, one line. How am I supposed to perform basic functions on this? Thinks a minute, picks up the receiver, clicks the hang up button several times. Yeah, who is this? The operator? Give me an outside line. Well, then dial for me. It's a medical emergency, darling. Dial the fucking number or I'll strangle myself with a phone cord. 202-733-8525. Martin Heller. 
Oh, hi, Martin. Yeah, I know what time it is. I couldn't sleep. I'm busy dying. Listen, Martin, this drug they got me on, uh, azetomethatolomolamoka, whatchamacallit. Yeah, AZT. I want my own private stash, Martin, of serious, honest aid medicine that I control here in the room with me. No placebos. I'm no good at tests, Martin. I'd rather cheat. So send me the pills with my get well bouquet. Pronto! Or I'll ring up CBS and sing Mike Wallace's song, The Ballad of Adorable Ollie North and His Secret Contra Slush Fund. Oh, you only think you know all I know. I don't even know all what I know. Half the time I just make it up and it still turns out to be true. We learned that trick in the 50s. Tomorrow, you two-bit, scum-sucking, shitty, shitheel, flypaper, insignificant, dried-out little turd, a nice box of drugs for Uncle Roy, or there'll be seven different kinds of hell to pay. Scene six. The same night, Joe and Lewis at Lewis's new apartment in the Arctic wastes of Alphabet Land. Baron of furniture, unpainted, messy, grim. Tense little pause. Lewis, embarrassed, takes in the room. Alphabet land. This is where the Jews lived when they first arrived. And now, a hundred years later, the place to which their more seriously fucked up grandchildren repair. This is progress. It's a terrible mess. It's a little dirty. Messy, not dirty. That's an important distinction. It's dust, not dirt. Chemical slash mineral, not organic. Not like microbes, more like... Can I take your tie off? No, uh, wait, I... Um, <clears throat> I'm, um... Uncomfortable, actually. Me too, actually. Being uncomfortable turns me on. You're, um... Boyfriend, he's sick. Very. He's not my boyfriend. We we can cap everything that leaks in latex. We can smear our bodies with non-oxinal nine. Safe chemical sex. Messy, but not dirty. Look, I want to, but I don't want to beg. No, I... Oh, come on, please. <sighs> I should go. Fine. Obladi, oblada, life goes on. Bra. Huh? What? Hurry home to the missus. Married gentlemen before cruising the ramble should first remove their bands of gold. Go, if you're going. Go. Joe starts to leave. There is a moment at the door. Joe hesitating. Lewis watching him. Joe goes to Lewis, hugs him collegially. I'm not staying. What kind of cologne is that? Oh. Fabergé? Oh, very butch. Very heterosexual high school. Fabergé. Lewis gently breaks the hug and steps back. You smell nice. So do you. Smell is an incredibly complex and underappreciated physical phenomenon, inextricably bound up with sex. I 
I didn't know that. It is. The nose is really a sexual organ. Smelling is desiring. We have five senses, but only two that go beyond the boundaries of ourselves. When you look at someone, it's just bouncing light. Or when you hear them, it's just sound waves, vibrating air, or touch is just nerve endings, tingling. You know what a smell is? It's some sort of, um, uh, no. Uh. It's made of the molecules of what you're smelling. Some part of you where you meet the air is airborne. Little molecules of Joe up my nose. Mm. Nice. Try it. Try? Inhale. Nice. Yes. I smelling and tasting first the nose then the tongue i just i just don't they work as a team see the nose tells the body the heart the mind the fingers the cock what it wants and then the tongue explores finding out what's edible what isn't what's most mineral food for the blood food for the bones and therefore most delectable. He licks the side of Joe's cheek. Salt. Lewis kisses Joe, who holds back a moment and then responds. Uh, mm. Iron, clay. Lewis slips his hand down the front of Joe's pants. They embrace more tightly. Lewis pulls his hand out, smells and tastes his fingers and then holds them for Joe to smell. Chlorine, copper, earth. They kiss again. What does that taste like? Um, what? Well, nighttime. Stay? Yes. Lewis, hmm? what did that mean? Uh, ob- obla di, obla... Um... Words are the worst things. Breathe, smell. But I... Let's stop talking. Or if you have to talk, talk dirty. Act two, the epistle for Sigrid. February 1986. Scene one. Prior in Belize, after the funeral of a mutual friend of theirs, a major NYC drag and style queen. They stand outside the dilapidated uh, funeral parlor on the Lower East Side. Belize is in defiantly bright and beautiful clothing. Prior is dressed oddly. A great long black coat and a huge fringed matching scarf draped to a hood-like effect. His appearance is disconcerting, menacing, and vaguely redolent of the biblical. Three weeks have passed since Act One. It was tacky. It was divine. He was one of the great glitter queens, 
You couldn't be buried like a civilian. Trailing sequins and incense, he came into the world. Trailing sequins and incense, he departed. And good for him. I thought the 20 professional Sicilian mourners were a bit much. A great queen. Big fucking deal. That ludicrous spectacle in there. Just a parody of the funeral of someone who really counted. We don't. Faggots. We're just a bad dream the real world is having. And the real world's waking up. He's dead. Lately, Sugar, you've gotten real strange. Lighten up already. Oh, I apologize. It was only a for God's sake funeral, a cause for fucking celebration. Sorry if I can't join in with the rest of you death junkies gloating about your survival in the face of that. Of his ugly demise, because unlike you, I have nothing to gloat about. Never mind. And you look like Morticia Adams. Like the wrath of God. Yes. That is the intended effect. Eyes are fucked up. Fucked up how? Everything's closing in. Weirdness on the periphery. Since when? For three weeks. Since that night. Since the night when. Well, what, what does the eye doctor say? I haven't been. For God's sake, why? I was improving before. Remember my wet dream? The angel. It wasn't a dream. Of course it was. No. I don't think so. I think it really happened. I'm a prophet. Say what? I've been given a prophecy. A book. Not a physical book. Or there was one, but they took it back. But Somehow, there's still this book in me. Prophecy. It really happened. I'm almost completely sure of it. Oh, stop looking so... You're scaring me. It was after Lewis left me. Every night, I'd been having these horrible, vivid dreams, and then... Then... And then she arrived. Scene two. The angel and Pryor in Pryor's bedroom three weeks earlier. Direct ceiling. Pryor moves to the bed, changing into his PJs. He should take his time doing this. The angel in the air. Belize watches from the street. Greetings, prophet. The great work begins. The messenger has arrived. Go away! Attend. Oh, God, there's a thing in the air, a thing, a thing. I, 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 I am the bird of America, the bald eagle, continental principality, lumen, phosphor, fluor, candle. I unfold my leaves, bright steel, in salutation open sharp before you. Prior Walter, long descended, well prepared. No, I'm not prepared for anything. I have lots to do. American I... prophet, tonight you become American eye that pierceth dark. 
American heart all hot for truth. The true great vocalist, the knowing mind, tongue of the land, seer head. Oh, shoo! You're scaring the shit out of me. Get the fuck out of my room, please. Oh, please. Now, remove from their hiding place the sacred prophetic implements. The what? Remove from their hiding place the sacred prophetic implements. Your dreams have revealed them to you. What dreams? You have had dreams revealing to you. I haven't had a dream I can remember in months. No dreams? You... Are you sure? Yes. Well, the two dead priors, they... No, not the heralds, not them. Other dreams. Implements. You must have... One moment. This. This is a dream, obviously. I'm, I'm sick, and so I... Well, okay, it's a pretty spectacular dream, but I still, it's just... Quiet, prophet. A moment, please. I, the disorganization is... He says he hasn't had any... (coughs) Yes. In the kitchen. Under the tiles, under the sink. You want me to... To tear up the kitchen floor? Get a shovel or an axe or some tool for dislodging tile and grout and unearth the sacred implements. No fucking way! The ceiling's bad enough. I'll lose the lease. I'll lose my security deposit. I'll wake up the downstairs neighbors. They're hysterical, dog. I... Do it yourself. Submit! Submit to the will of heaven! An enormous gust of wind knocks Pryor over. He glares at her from the floor and shakes his head no. A standoff. (coughs) There is a small soft explosion in the kitchen offstage. A cloud of plaster dust drifts on. What did you... What? And lo... And lo, the prophet was led by his nightly dreams to the hiding place of the sacred implements and, revision in the text, the angel did help him to unearth them, for he was weak of body, though not of will. Prior returns with an ancient leather suitcase, very dusty. You cracked the refrigerator. You probably probably released a whole cloud of fluorocarbons. That's bad for the the environment. My wrath is as fearsome as my countenance is splendid. Open the suitcase. Pryor does. He reaches inside and produces a pair of bronze spectacles with rocks instead of lenses. Oh, look at this. Thank you. Puts them on. Like, wow, man, 
totally Palozoic. This is, oh, oh God, oh God, no, oh! That was terrible. I did not want to see that. Remove the book. Pryor removes a large book with bright steel pages from the suitcase. There's a really glorious burst of music, more light, more wind. From the Council of Continental Principalities, met in this time of crisis and confusion, heaven here reaches down to disaster and in touching you touches all of earth. Music, and she retrieves the spectacles, gives them to him. Peepstones. Open me, prophet. I, 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 I am the book. Read. Wait. Wait. How come? How come I have this erection? It's very hard to concentrate. The stiffening of your penis is of no consequence. Well, maybe not to you, but... Read! You are mere flesh. I, 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 I am utter flesh. Density of desire. The gravity of skin. What makes the engine of creation run? Not physics, but ecstatics makes the engine run. The pulse, the pull, the throb, the ooze. Wait, please, I... Excuse me just for a minute. Just a minute. Oh. Preaxis, dilation, engorgement, flow. The universe aflame with angelic ejaculate. Oh, shit. The heavens a thrum to the seraphic rut. The fiery grapplings. Oh, God. The feathery joinings of the higher orders. Infinite, unceasing, the blood pump of creation. Oh, oh, I, oh. Holy oh, estrus. Oh. Holy orifice. Ecstasis in excelsis. Amen. Oh, God. The body is the garden of the soul. What was that? Plasma orgasmata. Yeah, well, no doubt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Excuse me, please. (laughs) You fucked this angel. She fucked me. She has, well, she has eight vaginas. Regina! Vagina! Hermaphroditically, Jesus Christ, equipped as well with a bouquet of phallic. I, 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 I am your released female essence ascendant. The sexual politics of this are very confusing. God, for example, is a man. Well, not a man. He is uh, 
a flaming Hebrew letter, but a male flaming Hebrew letter. The Aleph Glyph, Deus Erectus, Pater Omnipotens. Oh. Angelic orgasm makes protomatter, which fuels the engine of creation. They use to calculate ceaselessly before. Each angel is an infinite aggregate myriad entity. They're basically incredible, powerful bureaucrats. bureaucrats. They have no imagination that they, they can do anything, but they can't invent, create. Uh, they sort of they're sort of, of fabulous and, and dull all at once. Made for his pleasure, we can only adore. Seeking something new. God split the world in two. And made you. Human, Human beings. Unigenitaled. Female. In creating you, our father-lover unleashed sleeping creation's potential for change. In you, the virus of time began. In making people, God apparently set in motion a potential in the design for change, for random event, for movement forward. You think and you imagine, migrate Explore, and when you do... As the human race began to progress, travel, intermingle, everything started to come unglued, manifest first as tremors in heaven. Heaven is a city much like San Francisco, house upon house depended from hillside, from crest down to dockside, the green mirroring bay. And there are earthquakes there, or rather... Heaven quakes. Oh, joyful in the buckled garden, undulant landscape over which the threat of seismic catastrophe hangs, more beautiful because imperiled. Potent, yet dormant, the fault lines of creation. So, human progress. Migration, science, forward motion. Shakes up heaven. Paradise itself shivers and splits each day when you awake as though we are only the dream of you. Progress! Movement! Shaking him! God. He began to leave us. Bored with his angels, bewitched by humanity, in mortifying imitation of you, his last creation, he would sail off on voyages, no knowing where. Quake follows quake. Absence follows absence. Nasty chastity and disorganization. Loss of libido. Proto-matter shortfall. We are his functionaries. It is beyond us. Then, April 18th, 1906, in that day, the great San Francisco earthquake, and also... In that day... On April 18th, 1906. 
our lover of the million unutterable names, the Aleph glyph from which all words descend, the king of the universe, he left. Abandoned. And did not return. We do not know where he has gone. He may never. And bitter, cast off, we wait, bewildered. Our finest houses, our sweetest vineyards, made drear and barren, missing him. <coughs> Abandoned. Yes. I smell a motif, the man that got away. Well, it's occurred to me, Lewis. Even now, if he came back, I'd... Listen to your girlfriend. I think the time has come to let him go. That's not what the angels think. They think it's all gone too far, too much loss is what they think. We should stop somehow. We're back. But that's not how the world works, Pryor. It only spins forward. Yeah, but forward in what? Surely you see towards what we are progressing. The fabric of the sky unravels. Angels hover. Anxious fingers worry the tattered edge. Before the boiling of blood and the searing of skin comes the secret catastrophe. Before life on Earth becomes finally merely impossible, it will for a long time before have become completely unbearable. <coughs> You have driven him away. You must stop moving. Stop moving? Forsake the open road. Neither mix nor intermarry. Let deep roots grow. If you do not mingle, you will cease to progress. Seek not to fathom the world and its delicate particle logic. You cannot understand. You can only destroy. You do not advance, you only trample. Poor blind children, abandoned on the earth, groping, terrified, misguided, over fields of slaughters, over bodies of the slain, hobble yourselves! There is no Zion save where you are. If you cannot find your heart's desire... In your own backyard. You never lost it to begin with. <coughs> Turn back. Undo. Till he returns again. Please. Please, whatever you are, I don't understand this visitation. I'm not a prophet. I'm a sick, lonely man. I don't understand what you want from me. Stop moving. That's what you want? Answer me! You want me dead? No more. I want you to go away. I'm tired to death of being done to, walked out on, infected, fucked over, and now tortured by some mixed-up reactionary angel, some... The angel lands in front of Pryor. 
You can't outrun your occupation, Jonah. Hiding from me one place, you will find me in another. I, 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 I stop down the road, waiting for you. She touches him tenderly and turns him, cradling him with one arm. You know me, prophet. Your battered heart, bleeding life in the universe of wounds. The angel presses the volume against his chest. They both experience something unnameable, painful, joyful in equal measure. There is a terrifying sound. The angel gently, lovingly lowers prior to the ground. Vessel of the book now. O exemplum paralyticum. On you, in you, in your blood, we write, have written, stasis. The end. In gales of music, holding the book aloft, the angel ascends. The bedroom disappears. Pryor stands, puts on his street clothes, and resumes his place beside Belize. They're back on the street in front of the funeral home. You have been spending too much time alone. Not by choice. None of this by choice. This is worse than nuts. It's, well, don't migrate, don't mingle. That's leveling. Some of us didn't exactly migrate, you know what I'm saying? On me. But it is offensive, or at least monumentally confused, and it's not visited prior by who? It is from you. What else is it? Something else. That's crazy. Then I'm crazy. No, you're... Then? It was an angel. It was not an angel. Then I'm crazy. The whole world is. Why not me? It's 1986 and there's a plague. Half my friends are dead. And I'm only 31. And every goddamn morning I wake up and I think Lewis is next to me in the bed. And it takes me... Long minutes to remember that this is real. It isn't just an impossible, terrible dream. So maybe, yes, I'm flipping out. You better not. Better not fucking flip out. This is not dementia. And this is not real. This is just you, Pryor. Afraid of what's coming. Afraid of time. But see, that's just not how it goes. The world doesn't spin backwards. Listen to the world and how fast it goes. They stand silently, listening, and the sounds of the city grow louder and louder, filling the stage. Sounds of traffic, whistles, alarms, people, all very fast and very complex and very determinately moving ahead. That's New York traffic, baby. The sound of energy, the sound of time. Even if you're hurting, it can't go back. There's no angel. You hear me? For me, I can handle anything but not this happening to you. Whisper into the ear of the world, prophet. Wash up red in the tide of its dreams and billow bloody words into the sky of sleep. Maybe I am a prophet. Not just me, all of us who are dying now. Maybe we've caught the virus of prophecy. Be still. Toil no more. Maybe the world has driven God from heaven, incurred the angel's wrath. I believe 
I've seen the end of things. And having seen, I'm going blind as prophets do. It makes a certain sense to me. For this age of anime, a new law delivered this night, this silent night from heaven, O prophet, to you. I hate heaven. I've got no resistance left. Except to run. Act three. Borborygmi. The squirming facts exceed the squamous mind. February 1986. Scene one. Split scene. A week later, a month since the end of act one. Joe and Lewis in bed, different sheets, tidier, homier. Joe is awake, Lewis is asleep. Joe watches Harper in Brooklyn, dressed in a soiled nightgown. She removes her nightgown and stands shivering in bra and panties and stockings, looking at Joe. Hannah enters in a bathrobe, carrying a dress over her arm and a pair of shoes. She puts the shoes down in front of Harper. Did you wash up? Good, you're out of that nightdress. It's been three weeks. It was starting to smell. You're telling me. Now let's slip this on. Good, it's pretty. Shoes? Good. Now let's see about the hair. Harper bends over and Hannah starts combing Harper's hair. First, it can be very hard to accept how disappointing life is, Harper, because that's what it is and you have to accept it. With faith and time and hard work, you point where the disappointment doesn't hurt so much and it actually gets quite easy to live with. Quite easy, which is in its own way a disappointment. But there. I hate the stress. Mother Pitt, it's 5 a.m. I get there first. I open up. I leave messages at work. They say he's not in, but I know he is and but won't take my calls. He's ashamed. I miss his penis. And I'm sure you'll understand if I don't feel comfortable discussing that. I'll fix myself now and we can go. Joe? She crosses into Lewis's bedroom. Joe pulls back, away from her, but careful not to wake Lewis. Don't worry, I'm not really here. I have terrible powers. I see more than I want to see. Maybe I'm a witch. You're not. I could be a witch. I married a fairy. Please, Harper, just go. Just... What what, what was that? I, I couldn't hear you. Lewis starts to wake up, but not really. Joe, you okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a screwy stomach, nothing. Talk softer. You're waking him up. Why am I here? You called me. I didn't. You called me. 
Leave me alone if you're so goddamned happy. I didn't call you. Then why am I here? To see you again. Any way I can. <laughs> God, I wish you were. No, no, I don't. Dead. Oh, yes, I do. Joe? You love him? I do. You can't save him. You never saved anyone. Joe in love. Isn't it pathetic? What? You're turning into me. Go. She vanishes as Lewis wakes with a start. What? Uh, morning. <laughs> Sleep well? No. Did you? Yep. I had a freaky nightmare. We were celebrating having spent a month in bed and we decided to meet at a restaurant, only I wasn't sure it was right to be celebrating. And when I got there, it wasn't a restaurant. It was the funeral parlor of some sort of creepy temple. And it was you and me and some furiously angry woman. And it turned out you were a member of some bizarre religious sect like a Mooney or a Rajneeshi or a Mormon or something, and you hadn't told me, and it was like, I didn't know you at all. Joe? I am. I am a Mormon. Huh. Scene two. Same morning, still 5 a.m. Roy in his hospital room. The pain in his gut is now constant and is getting worse. He is on the phone, a more elaborate phone than in the previous scene. No records. No records. What are you, deaf? I said I have no records for their shitty little committee. It's not how I work. I... He has an incredibly bad abdominal spasm. He's in great pain. He holds the phone away, grimaces terribly, curls up into a ball, and then uncurls, all the while making no sound. Ethel appears in her hat and coat, walks to a chair by the bed and sits, watching Roy, silent. He watches her enter and then resumes his phone call, never taking his eyes off her. Those notes were lost. Lost! In a fire. Water damage. I can't do this any... Elise enters with a pill tray. I threw up 15 times today. I counted. What are you looking at? 15 times. Yeah? Hang up the phone. I have to watch you take these. The limo thing? Oh, for the love of Christ. I was acquitted twice for that. They're trying to kill me dead with this harassment. I have done things in my life, but I never killed anyone. Present company accepted. And you deserved it. Get the fuck out of here. Stall. It can't start tomorrow if we don't show. So don't show. I'll pay the old Harridan back. I I don't have a... Put down the phone. Suck my dick, Mother Teresa. This is life and death. Put down the... Roy snatches the pill cup off the tray and throws the pills on the floor. Belize reaches for the phone. Roy slams down the receiver and snatches the phone away. You touch that phone and I'll bite... 
and I got rabies. And from now on, I supply my own pills. I already told them to push their jujubes down to losers down the hall. Your own pills? No double blind. A little bird warned me. The vultures... Oh, Jesus! God, these cramps. Now I know why women go berserk once a... Ah, fuck! Mm, good, I made her laugh. I don't trust this hospital. For all I know, Lillian fucking Hellman is down in the basement switching the pills around. No, wait, she's dead, isn't she? Oh, boy, memory. It's... Hey, Ethel, didn't Lillian die? Did you see her up there? Ugly, 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 broad nose like a... Like even a Jew should worry me to put him like that. You seen somebody fitting that description up there in red heaven, huh? She won't talk to me. She thinks she's some sort of death watch or something. Who are you talking to? I'm self-medicating. With what? Yeah. Acid something. Acidodithymidine. Gesundheit. Roy tosses a ring of keys to Belize. AZT? You got... Belize unlocks the icebox. It's full of bottles of pills. 100 proof elixir vitae. Give me the keys. You scored. Impressively. Lifetime supply. There may be 30 people in the whole country who are getting this drug. They're 31. There are 100,000 people who need it. Look at you. The dragon atop the golden horde. It's not fair, is it? No. But as Jimmy Carter said, neither is life. So put your brown eyes back in your goddamn head, baby. I am not moved by an unequal distribution of goods on this earth. It's history. I didn't write it, though. I flatter myself. I am a footnote. And you are a nurse. So minister and skedaddle. If you live 50 more years, you won't swallow all these pills. I want some. That's illegal. Ten bottles. I'm going to report you. There's a nursing shortage. I'm in a union. I'm real scared. I have friends who need them. Bad. Loyalty I admire. But no. Why? Because you repulse me. Why? You'll be begging for it next. Why? Because I hate your guts and your friend's guts. That's why. Gimme, so goddamn entitled. Such a shock when the bill comes due. From what I read, you never paid your fucking bills in your life. No one has worked harder than me to end up not flat in a... Yeah, well, things are tough all over. And you come here looking for fairness? They couldn't touch me when I was alive, and now when I'm dying, they try this? This? That's fair? What am I? Dead man. Ah! Fuck! What was I saying? I can't remember any... Oh, yeah. Dead. I'm a goddamn dead man. You expect pity? I expect you to hand over those keys and move your nigger ass out of my room. What did you say? I said, move your nigger, cunt, spade, faggot, lackey ass out of my room. Self is motherfucking coward, cocksucking, cloven hoof pig. Mongrel, ding, slave, ape. Hike. Now we're talking. 
greedy kike. Now you can have a bottle, but only one. Belize tosses the keys at Roy hard. Roy catches them. Belize takes a bottle of the pills, then another, then a third, and leaves. As soon as Belize is out of the room, Roy is racked with a series of spasms. He's been holding them in. God, I thought he'd never go. So what? Are you going to sit there all night? Till morning. Mm-hmm. The cock grows and you go back to the swamp. No, I take the 705 to Yonkers. What's in Yonkers? The disbarment committee hearings. You've been hawking about it all week. I'll have a look-see. I won't let you in the front door. You're a convicted and executed traitor. I'll walk through a wall. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking succubus. (laughs) Fucking blood-sucking old bat. Roy picks up the phone, punches a couple of buttons, then puts the receiver back dejectedly. The worst thing about being sick in America, Ethel, is you were booted out of the parade. Americans have no use for the sick. Look at Reagan. He's so healthy. He's hardly human. He's a hundred if he's a day. He takes a slug in his chest and two days later he's out west riding ponies in his PJs. I mean, who does that? That's America. It's just no country for the infirm. Scene three. Later the same day, the diorama room of the Mormon Visitor Center. The diorama is in a little proscenium theater. The curtains are drawn shut. Behind them is a classic wagon train tableau posed before a painted backdrop, a covered wagon and a Mormon family in the desert on the great trek from Missouri to Salt Lake. The family members are historically dressed mannequins Two sons, a mother, and a daughter, and the father, who is actually the actor playing Joe. There are nice seats for the audience, and Harper is in one of them, dressed in the same as in her lassie. She has bags of potato chips and M&Ms and cans of soda scattered all around. Hannah enters with Pryor. This is the diorama room. I thought we agreed that you weren't... I'll go see if I can get it started. She exits. Pryor sits. The lights in the room dim, and a voice on tape intones... Welcome to the Mormon Visitor Center Diorama Room. In a moment, our show will begin. We hope it will have a special message for you. Please refrain from smoking, and food and drink are not allowed. Welcome to the Mormon Visitors. The tape lurches into very high speed, then smears into incomprehensibly low speed, then stops mid-message with an unpromising metallic blat, which frightens Pryor. Mm, they're having uh, trouble with the machinery. She rips open a bag of nacho-flavored Doritos and offers them to Pryor. You're not supposed to eat in the... I can. I live here. Have we met before? No. I don't think so. You live here? There's a dummy family in the diorama. You'll see when the curtain opens. The main dummy 
The big daddy dummy looks like my husband Joe. And when they push the buttons, he'll start to talk. He can't believe a word he says, but the sound of him is reassuring. It's an incredible resemblance. Are you a Mormon? A uh, Jack Mormon. I beg your pardon? Jack Mormon. It means I'm flawed. Inferior Mormon product probably comes from Jack Rabbit. You know, I ran. Do you believe in angels? In the angel Mormon? Morani, not Mormon. The angel Morani. Ask my mother-in-law when you leave, the scary lady at the reception desk. If its name was Morani, why don't they call themselves morons? Oh, it's from comments like that. You can tell I'm Jack Mormon. You're not a Mormon. No, I... Uh... Just distracted with grief. I'm not. I was just walking. And we get a lot of distracted, grief-stricken people here. It's our specialty. I'm not distracted. I'm doing research. On Mormons? On angels. I'm a angelologist. Never met an angelologist before. It's an obscure discipline. I can imagine. Angelology. Well, the fieldwork must be rigorous. You'd have to drop dead before you saw your first specimen. One. I saw one. An angel crashed through my bedroom ceiling. Huh. That sort of thing always happens to me. Oh, I have a fever. <laughs> I should be in bed, but I'm too anxious to lie in bed. You look very familiar. So do you. But it's just not possible. I, I don't get out. I'm only ever been here or in some place a lot like this, alone in the dark, waiting for the dummy. The lights in the diorama room darken. Dramatic music. The curtains part and lights come up on the little stage. The voice on tape again. Well, here in 1847, across 1,500 miles of frontier wilderness, uh, braving mountain blizzards, desert storms, and renegade Indians, the first Mormon wagon trains made the difficult way towards the kingdom of heaven, yada, yada, yada. You want some nacho-flavored? Uh, oh, hi, Joe. The diorama comes to life. Sounds of a wagon train, the Largo from Vodak's Ninth Symphony. The boy dummies, Caleb and Orin, don't talk. You can just hear their voices on a tape, and a pin spot hits their faces to indicate who is talking. The effect is unintentionally eerie. The father's face moves, but not his body. Father, I'm afeard. Hush, Caleb. The wilderness is so vast. Orin, Caleb, hush. Be brave for your mother and your little sister. We'll try, Father. We want you to be proud of they us. They don't have any lines. We want to be brave the sister and, and the mother. strong like And you. only his face moves. That's not really fair. When will our great exodus finally be done? 
all this wandering. Oh, never. Soon. You'll die of snake bites, and your brother Just looks like, like the scorpion food promised. to me. The Lord leads the way. Will there be lots to eat there, Father? Will the desert flow with milk and no. honey? Just sand. Will there be water there? Oh, the Lord will light, provide for us, son. And that's we the deal. They drag you on your knees through hell, and when you get there, the water, of course, is undrinkable. Salt, it's a promised land, but uh, sometimes he tests us, son. That's his way, but read to us, father. Read us the story <laughs> again. Yes, yes, story. yes, the story, story. The, the story about the prophet. Well, boys, well, 1823, the prophet, who was a strapping lad, like everyone else in his time, was seeking God. There were many churches, disputatious enough, but who was right? Could only be one true church, all else darkness. Lewis suddenly appears in the diorama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then answer me this. How can a fundamentalist theocratic religion function participatorily in a pluralist secular democracy? Are you busy? Well, I, I'm working. I can't believe but... you're a Mormon. I can't believe I spent a month in bed with a Mormon. Um, could, could you talk a little softer? I. But you're a lawyer. A serious lawyer. The oh my God. chief clerk of the chief oh justice God. of the Supreme Court is a Mormon. Lewis, please don't let's no argue way. now. We can talk at home tonight. I'm delirious. I must be delirious. I don't like cults. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not a cult. Any religion that's not at least 2,000 years old is a cult. What is he doing in there? Lewis. And I know people who would call that generous. I hate it when you ignore that I'm being obnoxious. What is he? Ooh, the little creep. He's in and out every day. I hate him. He's got absolutely nothing to do with the story. Go kisses, Lewis. Okay, can you can you can you turn it off? The the. Uh... I'm leaving. I, I, I Why can't. did you tell me that you? It's a surprise? <laughs> no, no. Most of the men I go to bed with turn out to be, yeah, of course it's a surprise. I thought you were all out west somewhere with the salt flats and the cactuses. There's some sort of profound <laughs> displacement going on here. I, Lewis. Did you? What? What? I thought I heard somebody prior we have to talk but i can't just leave the office fuck it this is a crisis now lewis exits joe sighs and then follows well the dummy never left with a little creep he never left before uh, when they come in and see he's gone they'll blame me <laughs> oh. harper goes to the diorama stage and pulls its bright red velvet curtain closed she turns back and sees that Pryor is crying. You shouldn't do that here. This isn't a place for real feelings. This is just story time here. Stop. I never imagined losing my mind was going to be such hard work. Oh, it is. 
Find some place else to be miserable in. This is my place, and I don't want you to do that here. I just saw my lover. My ex-lover with, with your husband, with that window display Kendall in that thing. I saw him. I Well, don't have a hissy fit. I told you it wasn't working, right? It's just the... The magic of theater or something. Listen, if, if you see the creep, tell him to bring Joe, to bring the mannequin back to me or they'll evict me. And this is it. I, it's nothing. But it's the last place on earth for me. I, I can't go sit in Brooklyn. Anna enters. What's all the... What did you do to him? Nothing. He just can't adjust. He's all just... Hannah has gone to the diorama. She yanks the curtain open. No, wait, don't! The father dummy is back. A real dummy this time. Oh. <laughs> Look. We imagined it. This is a favor. They let me work here as a favor, but you keep making scenes and look at this mess. It's a garbage scow. Doesn't look so much like him now. He's changed. Again. Are you just going to sit here forever, trash piling higher day after day till, well, till what? You sound just like him. You even grind your teeth in your sleep like him. If I could get him to come back, I would go back to Salt Lake tomorrow. But I know my duty when I see it. And if you and Joe could say the same thing, we You can't would... go back to Salt Lake. You sold your house. My mother-in-law. She sold her house. Her son calls and tells her he's a homo. And what does she do? She sells her house. And she calls me crazy. You have less of a place in the world than I do, if that's possible. Am I dreaming this? I don't understand. He's an angel. That's his business. He's an angelologist. Well, I don't go blabbing about it. If you aren't serious, you shouldn't come in here. Either that or he's nuts. It's a visitor center I'm visiting. Oh, he has a point. Quiet. It's for serious visitors. It's a serious religion. Do they, like, pay you to do this? She volunteers. Because... You're not very hospitable. I did see an angel. And what do you want me to do about it? I have problems of my own. The diorama's closed for repairs. You have to leave. Clean up this mess. His wife. His mute wife. I I'm waiting for her to speak. I bet her story's not so jolly. Imagination is a dangerous thing. In certain circumstances, fatal. It can blow up in your face if it turns out to be true. Thresholds of revelation. It's crazy time. I feel this is not... I feel this is not so. We've never met, but I feel you know me incredibly well. 
crazy time. The barn door is open now and all the cows have fled. You don't look well. You really should be home in bed. I'll die there. Better in bed than on the street. Just ask anyone. Till we meet again. Fire leaves. Harper sits alone for a moment, then... Bitter Lady of the Plains, talk to me. Tell me what to do. The Mormon mother turns to Harper, then stands and leaves the diorama stage. She gestures with her head for Harper to follow her. I'm stuck. My heart's an anchor. Leave it then. Can't carry no extra weight. The Mormon mother leaves the diorama. Harper sits a moment. She goes to the diorama, gets in the Mormon mother's seat. Look at us. So perfect in place. The desert, the mountains, the previous century. Maybe I could have believed in you then. Maybe we should never have moved east. Come on. The exit. Scene four. Late that afternoon, Joe and Lewis sitting shoulder to shoulder in the dunes at Jones Beach, facing the ocean. It's cold. The sound of waves and gulls and distant Belt Parkway traffic. New York romantic. Joe is very cold. Lewis, as always, is oblivious to the weather. The winter Atlantic. Wow, huh? There used to be guys in the dunes even when it snowed. Nothing deterred us from the task at hand. Which was? Exploration across an unmapped terrain, the body of the homosexual human male here, or the ramble, or the scrub pines on Fire Island, or the St. Mark's baths. Hardy pioneers like your ancestors. Not exactly. And many have perished on the trail. I fucked around a lot more than he did. <laughs> no justice. I love it when you can get to places and see what it used to be. The whole country was like this once. A paradise. Ruined now. It's still a great country. Best place on earth. Best place to be. Oi, a Mormon. You never asked. So what else haven't you told me? Joe? So the fruity underwear you wear, that's... A temple garment. Oh my God. What's it for? Protection? Uh, second skin. I can stop wearing it if you like. How can you stop wearing it if it's skin? Your past, your beliefs, your... Oh, tussles Lewis's hair, Lewis pulls away. I know how you feel. I keep expecting divine retribution for this, but I'm actually happy. Actually. You're not happy. No one is happy. 
what am I doing with you, with anyone? I should be exterminated, but with you, married, probably bisexual, Mormon, Republican, closet case. I mean, I really like you a lot, but... Joe puts his hand over Lewis's mouth. Shut up, okay? Lewis nods. Joe takes his hand off Lewis's mouth and kisses him deeply. You believe the world is perfectible, and so you find it always unsatisfying. He kisses Lewis again and begins to unbutton his shirt. You have to reconcile yourself to the world's unperfectibility by being thoroughly in the world, but not of it. Joe bites Lewis's nipple. Oh, God. That's what being a Mormon is. That's what being a schizophrenic is. Joe looks over his shoulder to see that no one's watching. Then he hauls Lewis onto his lap, unzips Lewis's fly, and slides his hand inside Lewis's pants. Lewis moans. The rhythm of history is conservative. You have to accept that and accept as rightfully yours the happiness that comes your way. But, wait, oh God, but the Republican Party mm, is, I mean, Newt Gingrich, Jesse Helms, I hate the Democrats too, but the Republicans responsible for everything bad and evil in the world. Throw Reagan on the pile and you're not far off. Well, if people like you didn't have President Reagan to demonize, where would you be? If he didn't have people like me to demonize, where would he be? Upper right-hand square on the Hollywood squares. Lewis kisses Joe very turned on. This is interesting. I'm losing myself in an ideological leather bar. The more appealing, the more appalling I find your politics, the more I want to hump you. I'm not your enemy, Lewis. I never said you were my. Fundamentally, we both want the same thing. They look at each other. Then Lewis disentangles himself a little, gently. I don't think that's true. It is. What you did when you walked out on him was hard to do. The world may not understand it or approve, but you did what you needed to do. And I consider you very brave. Nobody does what I did, Joe. Nobody. But maybe many want to. Let him go. Feel. Lewis, I... I love you. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You can't. (laughs) It's only been a month. It takes years to fall in love. Four and a half years, minimum. You think you do. But that's just the gay virgin thing. That's... You and I... Lewis, we're the same. We both want the same thing. I want to see Pryor again. Joe stands up and moves away. I missed him. I... You... 
want to go back to i just need to see him again don't you you just want to see your wife i miss her i feel bad for her i'm i'm afraid of her yes and i want more to be with i have to see him it's been a month i'm worried i just please don't look so sad do you understand what you, i you don't want to see me anymore no i lewis anything what anything whatever you want i can give up anything my skin joe starts to remove his clothes lewis when he realizes what joe is doing tries to stop him what are you doing someone will see us it's not a nude beach it's freezing joe pushes lewis away lewis falls and joe removes most of the rest of his clothing tearing the temple garment off he's almost naked i'm flayed no past now i could give up anything maybe in in what we're what we've been doing maybe maybe i'm even infected no you're i don't want to be i want to live now and i can be anything i need to be i want to be with you lewis starts to dress joe you have a good heart and you think the good thing is to be guilty and kind always but it's not always kind to be gentle and soft there's a genuine violence softness and weakness visits on people sometimes self-interested is the most generous thing you can be you ought to think about that i will think about it you ought to think about what you're doing to me no i mean what you need think about what you need be brave lewis starts to walk away from joe and then you'll come back to me lewis stands facing away from joe and then you come back to me scene 5 night of the same day Lewis and Joe remain on stage from the previous scene. Roy's hospital room. Roy is asleep. Lee's enters carrying a tray and a glass of water. He wakes Roy up. Time to take your pills. Water. Lee's gives him the glass. Bitter. Look out there. Black midnight. 
You want anything? Nothing that comes from there. As far as I'm concerned, you can take all that away. Oh. What? Oh. The boogeyman is here. Look at my Schwartz Toynton man. Come in, sweetheart. What took you so long? You're flying, Roy. It's the morphine. You put morphine in the drip to stop the... You awake? Can you see who I am? Oh, yeah. You came from my mama years ago. You wrap your arms around me now. Squeeze the bloody life from me. Okay? Oh, no. It's not okay. You're stoned, Roy. Dark, strong arms take me like that. Deep and sincere, but not too rough. Just open me up to the end of me. Who am I, Roy? The Negro Night Nurse. My negation. You've come to escort me to the underworld. Come on. You want me in your bed, Roy? You want me to take you away? I'm ready. I'll be coming for you soon. Everything I want is in the end of you. Elise starts to move away from Roy. Let me ask you something, sir. Sir. What's it like? After. After. This misery ends. Hell or heaven. Like San Francisco. A city. Good. I was worried it'd be a garden. I hate that shit. Mm. Big city, overgrown with weeds, but flowering weeds. On every corner, a wrecking crew or something new and crooked going up catty corner to that. Windows missing in every edifice like broken teeth. Fierce gusts of gritty wind and a gray high sky full of ravens. Isaiah. Prophet birds, Roy. Piles of trash, but lapidary like rubies and obsidian. And diamond-colored cowspit streamers in the wind. And voting booths. And a dragon atop the golden horde. And everyone in Balenciaga gowns and red corsages and big dance palaces full of music and lights and racial impurity and gender confusion. <laughs> and all the deities are Creole, mulatto, brown as the mouths of rivers. <laughs> Race, taste, and history finally overcome. And you ain't there. <laughs> And heaven? That was heaven, Roy. <laughs> the fuck it was. Who are you? Your negation. Yeah. I know you. Nothing. A stomach grumble that wakes you in the night. Ethel enters. Be nice talking to you. Go to sleep now, baby. I'm just the shadow on your grave. Scene six. Harper and the Mormon mother. Night. At the Brooklyn Heights promenade. Everyone from the previous two scenes remains on stage. It's not safe to be on the street out here. There are crazy people around. Tires filled with fire. 
It's the great beyond. Hmm. Manhattan. Was it a hard thing crossing the prairies? You ain't stupid. Don't ask stupid. Ask something for real. In your experience of the world, how do people change? Well, it has something to do with God, so it's not very nice. God splits the skin with a jagged thumbnail from throat to belly and then plunges a huge, filthy hand in. He grabs hold of your bloody tubes and they slip to evade his grasp, but he squeezes hard. He insists. He pulls and pulls till you, all your innards are yanked out and the pain. We can't even talk about that. And then he stuffs them back, dirty, tangled, and torn. It's up to you to do the stitching. And then get up and walk around. Just mangled guts pretending. That's how people change. Pryor appears. He's at home, slowly unwrapping his layers of black prophet clothes. He is very sick and sad. I smell a salt wind. From the ocean. Means he's coming back. Then you'll know. Then you'll eat fire. Bring back. Bring back, oh, bring back my Bonnie to me, to me. Bring back, bring back, oh, bring back my Bonnie to me. As they sing, Lewis leaves Joe alone at the beach. Back in Manhattan, he goes to a street side payphone, dials a number. Pryor is alone in his bedroom. He's taking his medication. The phone rings in Pryor's apartment. Pryor picks it up. Wait, I, I have a, a mouthful of pills and water. Pryor? It's Lou. I want to see you. Act four. John Brown's body. February 1986. Scene one. A day later, split scene. Lewis sitting, cold, on a park bench. Roy and Joe in Roy's hospital room. Roy's in bed, hooked up as usual to an IV drip. His condition has worsened. Joe sits in a chair nearby. If you want the smoke and puffery, you can listen to Kissinger and Schultz and those guys. But if you want to look at the heart of modern conservatism, you look at me. Everyone else has abandoned the struggle. Everything nowadays just sipping tea with Nixon and Mao. That was disgusting. Did you see that? Were you born yet? Of course I was. My generation, we had clarity. Unafraid to look deep into the miasma at the heart of the world. What a pit. What a nightmare is there. I have looked. I've searched all my life for absolute bottom and I found it. Believe me. Stygian. How tragic, how brutal and short life is. How sinful people are. The immutable heart of what we are that bleeds through whatever we might become. All else is vanity. 
I don't know this world anymore. And after I die, they'll say it was for the money and for the headlines, but it was never for the money. It's the moxie that counts. I never wavered. You remember. I will, Roy. I was afraid you wouldn't want to see me. If you'd forgive me for letting you down. Forgiveness. Have you seen a lady around here? Dumpy lady, stupid hat. She, oh boy, oh boy, she's off the, oh, she's off watching the hearings. Treacherous bitch. Who? Did you get a blessing from your father before he died? A, a blessing? Yeah. No. I should have done that. Life. That's what they're supposed to bless. Life. Roy motions for Joe to come over, then for him to kneel. He puts his hand on Joe's forehead. Joe leans the weight of his head into Roy's hand. They both close their eyes and enjoy it for a moment. Roy, I... I need to talk to Shh, you about... Hendrick, don't fuck up the magic. A broke. You don't even have to trick it out of me. Like, what's his name in the Bible? Jacob. Uh, that's the one. Ruthless motherfucker. Some bald runt, but he laid hold of his birthright with his claws and his teeth. Jacob's father. What was the guy's name? Isaac. Yeah. The sacrifice. That jerk. My mother read me those stories. See this scar on my nose? When I was three months old, there was a bony spur. She made them operate. Shave it off. They said I was too young for surgery. I'd outgrow it. But she insisted. I figured she wanted to toughen me up. And it worked. I am tough. It's taking a lot to dismantle me. Pryor enters and sits on the bench as far as he can from Lou. Oh, this is going to be so much worse than I'd imagined. Hello. Fuck you, little shitbag. Don't waste energy beating up on me, okay? I'm already taking care of that. Don't see any bruises. Inside. You are one noble guy. Inside. Don't flatter yourself, Lewis. So, it's your tea party. Talk. It's good to see you again. I missed you. Talk. I want to try to make up. Make up? Yes, but... (laughs) But? But you don't have to be so hostile. Don't I get any points for trying to arrive at a resolution? Maybe what I did isn't forgivable, but... It isn't. 
but I'm trying to be responsible prior. There are limits, boundaries, and you have to be reasonable. Why, why are you dressed like that? You were saying something about being reasonable? I've been giving this a lot of thought. Yes, I fucked up, that's obvious, but maybe you fucked up too? You never trusted me? You never gave me a chance to find my footing? Not really, you were so quick to attack, and I think maybe just too much of a victim, finally? Passive, dependent, and what I think is that people do have a choice about how they handle. You want to come back? Why? Atonement? Exoneration? I didn't say I wanted to come back. Oh. No. Mm -hmm. You didn't. I can't. Move in again? Start all over again? I don't think it would be any different. You're seeing someone else. What? No. You are. I'm not. Well, occasionally. He's just a, just a pickup. How do you... Threshold of revelation. Now, ask me how I know he's a Mormon. Is... He a Mormon? Well, goddamn, ask me how I knew. How? Fuck you, I'm a prophet. <laughs> Reasonable? Limits? Tell it to my lungs, stupid. Tell it to my lesions. Tell it to the cotton woolly patches in my eyes. Fire, I haven't seen him for days now. I'm going. I have limits. Fire starts to leave, but he has an attack of some sort of respiratory trouble. <coughs> he sits heavily on the bench. Lewis starts to go near him, but Pryor waves him away. All he does is just look at Lewis. You cry, but you endanger nothing in yourself. It's like the idea of crying when you do it, or the idea of love. Now you have to go. I left my wife. I needed to tell you. It happens. I've been staying with someone else um, for a whole month now. It happens. With a man. A man? Yes. You're with a man? Yes, I... <sighs> I gotta... You, what, the, um, uh, the bathroom, or...? Roy stands unsteadily, and he starts to walk away from the bed. 
The ivy tube in his arm extends to its full length and then pulls. Roy looks down at it, remembering it's there. In a calm, disinterested manner, he pulls it out of his arm, which starts bleeding profusely. Ow! Roy, what do you do? Joe starts for the door. Roy stands, still watching dark blood run down his arm. Um, help, please! I, I think he... Elise enters with the portable oxygen and then sees Roy. Holy shit. Get the Elise. fuck away from Come me. Come on, rubber gloves. Get the fuck away from me. Uh, Roy, please, just get back in Shut here. Shut up! Now listen to me. Get your... Shut up, I said. I want you home with your wife. Whatever else you got going, cut it dead. I can't. Roy, I, I need Roy to be... grabs Joe by the shirt, smearing it with blood. You need? Listen to me. Do what I say or you will regret it. And don't talk to me about it ever again. Elise moves in, takes Roy to the bed, and starts bandaging the puncture. I never saw that coming. You kill me. Get somewhere you can take off that shirt and throw it out. And don't touch the blood. Why? I don't understand. Out! Out! You already got my blessing. What more do you want from me? Get the fuck out of here. I... Roy, please, I I didn't mean... I... You... What, you want to stay and watch this? Well, fuck you, too. Joy leaves. Uh, Belize finishes bandaging. So... Your new lover. He's not my... Tell me where you met him. In the park. Well, first at work, he... He's a lawyer or a judge? Lawyer. A gay Mormon lawyer. Yes. Republican, too. A gay Mormon Republican lawyer. Lewis. But he's sort of... I don't know if the world would... If the word would be, well, in, in a way, sensitive, and I... A sensitive gay Republican. He's just company. Companionship. Companionship. Oh. You know, just when I think he couldn't possibly say anything to make it worse, he does. Companionship. How good. I wouldn't want you to be lonely. There are thousands of gay men in New York with AIDS, and nearly every one of them is being taken care of by uh, a friend or or by a, a lover who is stuck by them through things worse than mine. So far, everyone got that except me. I got you. Why? What's wrong with me? Lewis, are you really bruised inside? I can't have this talk anymore. Oh, the list of things you can't do. So fragile. Answer me. Inside, 
bruises? Yes. Come back to me when they're visible. I want to see black and blue, Lewis. I want to see blood because I can't believe you even have blood in your veins till you show it to me. So don't come near me again unless you've got something to show. Every goddamn thing I ever wanted they've taken from me. Mocked and reviled all my life. Join the club. I don't belong to any club you could get to the front door of. You watch yourself. You take too many liberties. What's your name? Norman Ariaga. Belize to my friends. But you can call me Norman Ariaga. Tell me something, Norman. You ever hire a lawyer? No, Roy never did. Hire a lawyer. Sue somebody. It's good for the soul. Lawyers are the high priests of America. We alone know the words that made America out of thin air. We alone know how to use the words, the law. The law, the only club I ever wanted to belong to, and before they take that from me, I'm going to die. Ow. Belize approaches. Roy grabs Belize by both hands. Uh, Belize tries to pull away, but Roy hangs on, shaking them both. During the seizure, Ethel appears. Have mercy. This is a lousy way to go. God have mercy. Oh, look who's back. Who? Mrs. Reddy Kilowatt. Fucking horror. How's Yonkers? I almost feel sorry for you. Bad idea. Yeah. Pity. Repulsive. You? Me? No connection. Nobody with me now but the dead. Scene two. The next day, Joe in his office at the courthouse in Brooklyn. He sits at his desk dejectedly, head in hands. Pryor and Belize enter the corridor outside. This is stupid. Go home with your chicken. You're the one who should go, should be home. I have a hobby now. Haunting people. Fuck home. You wait here. I want to meet my replacement. Pryor goes to Joe's door and steps in. Oh. Uh, y yes, can I? You look just like the dummy. She's right. Who's right? Your wife. What? Do you know my... No. You said my wife. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You misheard. I'm a prophet. What? Prophet. Prophet. I prophesy. I have sight. I see. What do you do? I'm a clerk. Oh, big deal. A clerk. You want to file things? Well... 
You better be keeping a file on the hearts you break. That's all that counts in the end. We'll have bills to pay in the world to come. You and your friend, the whore of Babylon. Sorry, wrong one. Prior exits goes to Belize. He's a Marlboro man. Ooh, I want to see. Belize goes to Joe's office. Joe is standing perplexed. Belize sees Joe and instantly recognizes him. Sacred heart of Jesus. Now what is... You're Roy's nurse. I recognize you. You're... No, no, you don't. From the hospital. You're Roy Cohn's nurse. No, I'm not. I'm not a nurse. We all look alike to you. You all look alike to us. It's a mad, mad world. Have a nice day. He exits back to Pride. Chaps and spurs. Now, girl, we've got to get you home and into... Mega Butch. He made me feel beyond Nelly. Like a little whipsy daisies were sprouting out my ears. Little droopy, whipsy, wilted... Joe comes out of his office. Run, run. Wait. They're cornered by Joe. Belize keeps his face averted and covered. What game are you playing? This is a federal courthouse. You said something about my wife. Now what? How do you know my... I'm... Nothing. I'm a mental patient. He's my nurse. Not a nurse. I'm not a nurse. We're here because my will is being contested. Um, What is that called when when um, when they challenge your will? Competency? This is an appellate court. And I am appealing to anyone, anyone in the universe who will listen to me for some charity. Some people are so greedy, such pigs. They have everything, health, everything. And still, they want more. You said my wife. And I want to know, is she... Talk to her yourself, Bullwinkle! What do I look like, a marriage counselor? Oh, Nursing, dear, fetch the medications. I'm starting to rave. Pardon, Monsieur de Avocat. Nous sommes absolute de soleil. Behave yourself, Cherie, or Nanny will have to use the wooden spoon. Prior exit. I'm trapped in a world of white people. That's my problem. Scene three. The next day, a stormy, cold, late February day. At the Bethesda... Bethesda Fountain in Central Park. As the scene progresses, a storm front moves in and the day darkens. Lewis is sitting on the fountain's rim. Belize enters and sits next to him. Nice angel. What angel? The fountain. Bethesda. What'd she commemorate, Lewis? I'll bet you knew. Naval dead of the Civil War. The Civil War? I knew you'd know. You are nothing if not well-informed. Listen, I saw Pryor yesterday. Pryor is upset. Listen, this guy I'm seeing, I'm not seeing him now. Pryor misunderstood. He jumped to... Oh, yeah, your new beau. Pryor and me, we went to the courthouse, scoped him out. You had no right to do that. How did we violate your rights? What did, what, did, what did you drag me out here for, Lewis? I don't have time for you. You walk out here on your lover, 
Days don't pass before you're out on the town with somebody else, but this. I'm not out on the... I want you to tell Pryor that I... This is a record low, sharing your dank and dirty bed with Roy Cohn's butt boy. Come again? Doesn't that bother you at all? Roy Cohn? What the fuck are you... I'm not sharing my bed with Roy Cohn's... Your little friend didn't tell you, huh? You and Hoss Cartwright. It's not a verbal kind of thing. You just kick off your boots and hit the hay. Joe Pitt is not Roy Cohn's... Joe is a very moral man. He's not even that conservative or... Well, not that kind of a... And I don't want to continue this. Bye-bye. It's not my fault that Pryor left you for me. I beg your pardon. You have always hated me because you are in love with Pryor. And when you, and you were when I met him and he fell in love with me. And so now you cook up this. I mean, how do you know this? That Joy and Joe and Roy Cohn are... I don't know whether Mr. Cohn has penetrated more than a spiritual sphincter. All I'm saying is you better hope there's no GOP germ, Lewis, because if there is, you got it. I don't believe you. Not Roy Cohn. He's like the pole star of human evil. He's the worst human being who ever lived. He isn't human even. He's give me credit for something, please. Some little moral shred of, 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 of something. Okay, sure, I fucked up. I fucked everything up. I fucked everything up maybe more than anyone in the whole history of everything that's ever been ever fucked up. But still, I haven't, I haven't lost my mind. I'm not insane. I'm, I'm horribly, horribly unhappy. I'm lost. I'm, I hate myself so totally, so fucking totally and completely. But still, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go around sleeping with someone who, someone who's Roy Cones. But boy. Oh, God. I am so fucking wet and miserable. You know what your problem is, Lewis? Your problem is that you are so full of piping hot crap that the mention of your name draws flies. You don't know one thing about this guy, do you? Uh-huh. Well, ain't that pathetic. Just so the record's straight, I love Pryor, but I was never in love with him. I have a man, uptown, and I have long and I have since long before I laid my eyes on the sorry ass sight of you. I I didn't know that you No, because you never bothered to ask. Up in the air, just like that angel, too far off the earth to pick out the details. Lewis and his big ideas. Big ideas are all you love. America is what Lewis loves. So what? Maybe, maybe I do. You don't know what I love. You don't. Well, I hate America, Lewis. I hate this country. It's just big ideas and stories and people dying and people like you. The white cracker who wrote the national anthem knew what he was doing. He set the word free to a note so high nobody could reach it. That was deliberate. Nothing on earth sounds less like freedom to me. You come with me to room 1013 over at the hospital, I'll show you America. Terminal, crazy, and mean. A rumble of thunder. Then the rain comes. Belize has a collapsible umbrella, and he raises it. Lewis stands in the rain. 
I live in America, Lewis. That's hard enough. I don't have to love it. You do that. Everybody's got to love something. Everybody does. Scene four. Same day, Hannah at the visitor center. Joe enters. They look at each other for a long moment. How is she? Nothing surprising. Is she okay? Well, that would be surprising, wouldn't it? Can I? There is no possible thing I can imagine you doing. Mom, you shouldn't have come. You already made that clear as day for a month now. You can't even return a simple phone call. A phone call from you is not so simple. Just so I would have something to tell her. You've been living on some rainy rooftop for all we knew. It's cruel. Not intended to be. You're sure about that? I'm taking her home. You think that's best for her? You think that she... know what I am doing. I don't think you have a clue, which is only typical of you. You're a man, you botch up. It's not such a big deal, but she... Just being a man doesn't mean Being a I'm... woman's harder. Look at her. It's a big deal, Ma. Botching up, I could use some... Sympathy? If I could manage any, you'd just push it away. You want sympathy? Is that why you'd come here? I migrated across the breadth of the continent of North America. I ran all this way to get away from... Is she... She's not here. But she's not at the apartment. I... Then she escaped. Good for her. Ask yourself what it was you were running from. It's time you did. Not from me. I was nothing. From what? And what are you running from now? You and me, it's like we're back in Salt Lake again. You sort of bring the desert with you. Are you... Don't don't cry. If I ever do, I promise you'll not be privileged to witness it. It was a mistake. I never should have called you. Ma, you, you never should have come. I can't imagine why you did. Joe exits. Hannah sits. Pryor enters. Wearing a dark glasses and a hat. That man who was just here. Close, go away. He's your son. Little pause and prior turns to leave. Uh, do you know him? That man? How do you know that 
my ex-boyfriend. He knows him now. I wanted to warn your son about later. When his hair goes and there's hips and jowls and all that. Cute stuff. That poor slob that's just going on wind up miserable, fat, frightened, and alone. Because Lewis can't handle bodies. Are you a a homosexual? No. Is it that obvious? Yes, I am. What's to you? Would would you say you are a typical homosexual? Me? Oh, I'm stereotypical. What? You mean like, am I a hairdresser or... Uh... Are you a hairdresser? Well, it would be your lucky day if I was because, frankly, <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick and it's expensive. Oh, shit. Now I won't be able to stop it out. Get started. I feel really terrible. Oh, do I have a fever? Can you, can you check? Uh, do I have a fever? Yes. How high? There, there might be a thermometer in the... Very high. Very high. Could you, uh... Hmm. Could you get me a cab? I, th- I think I want... Oh, Don't be alarmed. It's worse than it looks. I mean... You should uh, uh, try to stand up or... Um, let me see if anyone can... Echo breath. It's... Uh... Oh, I overdid it. I'm in trouble again. Uh, take me to uh, St. Vincent's Hospital. I mean, I mean, help me to a cab to the... Anna exits and re-enters with her coat on. Can you stand up? Oh, you, you don't. Call me a cab. I, I, I'm, I'm useless here. He helps you stand. Please, if you're trying to convert me, this isn't a good time. Look, look at it out there. It's pitch black. Storm's coming in. We better move. The exit. Thunder. Scene five. Same day, late afternoon. Harper is standing in an icy March wind at the railing of the promenade in Brooklyn Heights, staring at the river and the Manhattan skyline. The rain is starting. She is wearing a dress, inadequate for the weather, and she's barefoot. Joe enters with an umbrella. They stare at each other. Then Harper turns to face the skyline. The end of the world is at hand. Hello, pale face. Nothing like storm clouds over Manhattan to get you in the mood for Judgment Day. Thunder. Freezing. Starting to rain. Where are your shoes? I threw them in the river. The judgment day, everyone will think they're crazy now, not just me. 
Everyone will see things. Sick men will see angels. Women who have houses will sell their houses. Dime store dummies will rear up on their wood putty legs and roam the land looking for brides. Let's go home. Where's that? You want to buy an island? It's going out of business. You can have it for the usual treat trinkets. Fire sale. Prices are insane. Harper. Joe, did you miss me? I... I've come back. Oh, I know. Here's why I wanted to stay in Brooklyn. The promenade view. Water won't ever accomplish the end, no matter how much you cry. Blood's not the answer. People just float. Let's go home. Fire's the answer. The great and terrible day. At last. Scene six. Night. Prior, Emily, Prior's nurse practitioner, and Hannah in an examination room in St. Vincent's <laughs> emergency room. Emily is listening to his breathing while Hannah sits in a nearby chair. You've lost eight pounds. Eight pounds? I know people who would kill to be in the shape you were in. You were recovering and you threw it away. This isn't about weight. It's about lungs. Um, pneumonia? We don't know yet. Oh, the fuck we don't, asshole. May not, but I can't breathe. You'd breathe a lot better if you didn't holler like that. This is my ex-lover's lover's Mormon mother. Even in New York in the 80s, that is strange. Keep breathing, stop moving, and stay put. She exits. I I should go. I'm not insane. I didn't say you were. I saw an angel. That's... It's insane. Well, it's... Insane. But I'm not insane. But then why did I do this to myself? Because I have been driven insane by... by your son and by that lying. Because ever since she arrived, ever since... I have been consumed by this ice-cold razor-blade terror that just shouts and shouts, keep moving, run! And I've run myself into the ground, right where she said I'd be eventually. She seemed so real. What's happened to me? You had a vision. (laughs) A vision. (laughs) Thank you, Maria Uspkintia. I'm not so far gone. I can be assuaged by pity and lies. I don't have pity. It's just not something I have. 170 years ago, which is recent, 
an angel of God appeared to Joseph Smith in upstate New York, not far from here. People have visions. But that's preposterous. It's not polite to call other people's beliefs preposterous. He had a great need of understanding. Our prophet, his desire made prayer. His prayer made an angel. The angel was real. I believe that. I don't. And I'm sorry, but it's repellent to me. So much of what you believe. What do I believe? I'm a homosexual. With AIDS. I can imagine what you... No, you can't. Imagine. The things in my head. You don't make assumptions about me, mister. I won't make them about you. Fair enough. My son is... Well, like you. Homosexual. I flew into a rage when he told me. Mad as hornets. At first, I assumed it was about his... Homosexuality? But that wasn't it. Homosexuality. It just seems ungainly. Two men together. It isn't an appetizing notion for... But then, for me, men in any configuration, they're so humpish and stupid. Stupidity gets me cross. I wish you would be more true to your demographic profile. Life is confusing enough. You know, you know the Bible, you know. Reasonably well, I... The prophets in the Bible... Do they ever refuse their vision? There's scriptural precedent, yes. And what does God do to them when they do that? He, well, he feeds them to whales. (laughs) Oh. Just, just lie still. You'll, you'll be all right. No, no, I, I won't be. My lungs are getting tighter. The fever mounts, and you get delirious, and the days of delirium and awful pain and drugs, you start slipping, and then I'm really fucked up, scared. Do it again. You shouldn't talk that way. You ought to make a better show of yourself. Look at this. It's horror. He lifts his shirt. His torso is spotted with three or four lesions. See? That's not human. That's why I run. Wouldn't you... Wouldn't anybody? It's a cancer. Nothing more, nothing more human than that. Oh, God, I want to be done. An angel is just a belief. With wings and arms that can carry you. It's not to be afraid of. If it lets you down, reject it. Seek for something new. Oh, my. What? 
distant thunder. It's her. Oh my God. It's the spring rain is all. Stay with me. Oh no, I. Comfort me, you do. Stiffen my spine. When I got up this morning, this is not how I envisioned the day would end. If I'm not needed elsewhere. If I sleep, will you keep watch? She's approaching. She is? Modesty forbids me explaining exactly how I know, but I have an infallible barometer of her proximity and it's rising. Scene seven. That night, Harper and Joe at home in bed. A silence then. When we have sex, why do you keep your eyes closed? I don't. You always do. You can say why I already know the answer. Then why do I have to? You imagine things. Imagine men. Yes. Imagining just like me, except the only time I wasn't imagining was when I was with you. You, the one part of the real world I wasn't allergic to. Please don't. But I only thought I wasn't dreaming. Joe sits up abruptly, turns his back to her, then he starts to put on his pants. Oh, oh back in Brooklyn. Back with. I'm going out. I uh, have to get some stuff left behind. Look at me. Look at me. Here, look at me. What? What do you see? What do I? What do you see? Nothing. I thank you. For what? Finally, the truth. I'm going out just. Out. He exits. It sets you free. Goodbye. Scene eight. Later that night, Lewis in his apartment. He has a thick file full of Xeroxed articles. He's reading. Joe enters and they stare at each other. Have you no decency, sir? At long last, have you no sense of decency? Who said that? Who said? Who said, have you no? I, I don't. Um, I've come back. Please let me in. You're in. 
I'm having a very hard time, Lewis. It's so good to see you again. You really don't know who said, have you no decency? What? What's wrong? Why are you... Okay, second question. Have you no decency? Guess what I spent the rainy afternoon doing? What? My homework. Research at the courthouse. Look what I got. The decisions of Justice Theodore Wilson, Second Circuit Court of the Appeals, uh, 1981 through 1984, the Reagan years. You, um, you read my decisions? Your decisions, yes. The librarian was gay. He had all the good dish. He told me that Justice Wilson didn't write these opinions any more than Nixon wrote six crises. Or Kennedy wrote profiles in courage. Or Reagan wrote, wrote where's the rest of me? Or you and I wrote the book of love. Listen, I, I don't want to do this now. I mean it. I need you to stop attacking and... It shoves Joe away hard. Hey! These gems were ghostwritten by you, his obedient, eager clerk. Naturally, I was eager to read them. Free country. I love the one where you found against the women on Staten Island who were suing the New Jersey factory, uh, the toothpaste makers whose orange colored smoke was blinding children. Not blind, just a minor irritation. Three of them had to be hospitalized. Joe, it's sort of brilliant in a satanic sort of way how you conclude that these women have no right to sue under the Air and Water Protection Act because the Air and Water Protection Act doesn't protect people, but actually only air and water. Amazing. Have you no decency? Have you- I I don't believe this. My opinions are being criticized by the guy who changes the coffee filters in the secretary's lounge. My absolute favorite is this, Stevens versus the United States, the army guy who got a dishonorable discharge for being gay. Now, as I understand it, this Stevens had told the army he was gay when he was enlisted, but he only got ready to retire. But when he got ready to retire, they booted him out, cheat the queer out of his pension. Right. And he sued and he won the case. He got the pension back. So what are you? The first judges gave him his pension back. Yes, because they ruled that gay men are members of a legitimate minority entitled to the special protection of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, equal protection under the law. So then all the judges on the Second Circuit Court were assembled and... We found for the guy again. But, but, but on an equitable estoppel, I had to look that up. I'm Mr. Coffee. I can't be expected to know these things. They didn't change the decision. They changed the reason for the decision, right? They gave it to him on a technicality. The army knew Stevens was gay when he enlisted. That's all. That's why he won. Not because it's unconstitutional to discriminate against homosexuals because homosexuals, they write, are not entitled to equal protection under the law. You're being really 
melodramatic as usual. They didn't write this, you did. They gave this opinion to Wilson to write, which since they know he's a vegetable incapable of writing do-re-mi, was quite the vote of confidence in his industrious little clerk. This is an important bit of legal fag bashing, isn't it? They trusted you to do it, and you didn't disappoint. It's law, not justice. It's power, not the merits of its exercise. It's not an expression of the ideal. It's... So who said, have you no decency? I'm leaving. You moron. How can you not know that? I'm leaving you, you son of a bitch. Get out of my way. Punchline in American history. Out of my way, Lewis. Have you no decency? At long last, sir, have you no decency at all? I don't know who said it. Why are you doing this to me? I love you. I love you. Why? Joseph Welch, the Army McCarthy hearings. Ask Roy. He'll tell you. He knows. He was there. Roy Cohn, what I want to know is, did you fuck him? Did I what? How often has the latex-sheathed cock I put in my mouth been previously in the mouth of the most evil, twisted, vicious bastard ever to snort coke at Studio 54? Because lips that kiss those lips will never kiss mine. Don't worry about that. Just get out of the- Joe tries to push Lewis aside. Lewis pushes back forcefully. Did you fuck him? Did he pay you to let him- Move. Lewis throws the Xeroxes in Joe's face. They fly everywhere. Joe pushes Lewis. Lewis grabs Joe. You lied to me. You love me? Well, fuck you, you cheap piece of- Joe slugs Lewis in the stomach hard. Lewis goes to his knees, then starts to stand up again, badly winded. He's got AIDS. Did you even know that? Stupid closeted bigots. You probably never figured out that each other was... Shut up! Joe punches Lewis again. Fascist, hypocrite, lying, filthy. Lewis tries to hit Joe, and Joe starts to hit Lewis repeatedly. Lewis clings to Joe as he punches away. Oh, Jesus. Oh, jeez. Lewis falls to the floor. Joe stands over him. Now stop. Now stop. Please. Say you're okay, please. Please. That hurt. I, I never did that before. I never hit anyone before i lewis sits up his mouth and eye have been cut can can you open it can you can you see i can see blood let me let me get a towel let me i could have you arrested you creep they'd think i put you in jail for beating me up i never hit anyone before i But it'd really be for those decisions. It was like a sex scene in an Ayn Rand novel, huh? I I hurt you. I'm sorry, Lewis. I never hit anyone before. I... 
Yeah, yeah, get lost before I really lose my temper and hurt you back. I just want to lie here and bleed for a while. Do me good. Scene 9. Later that night, Roy in a very serious hospital bed, monitoring machines and IV drips galore, Ethel appears. John Brown, the body lies moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies moldering in the grave. John Brown's body lies moldering in the grave. His truth is marching on. Look at that big smile. What you got to smile about, Roy? going, Ethel. Finally, finally done with all this world at long, long last. All mine enemies will be standing on the other shore, mouths gaping open like stupid fish, while the Almighty parts the sea of death and lets his Roy boy cross over to Jordan on dry land and still a lawyer. Don't count your chickens, Roy. It's over. Over? I wanted the news should come from me. The panel ruled against you, Roy. No. No, they only started meeting two days ago. They recommended disbarment. The executive still has to rule on the recommendation. It'll take another week to sort it out before then. The executive was waiting, and they ruled one, two, three... They accepted the panel's recommendation. I'm... One of the main guys on the executive leaned over to his friend and said, Finally, I've hated that little faggot for 36 years. I'm... They won. They... Roy, you're not a lawyer anymore. But am I dead? No. They beat you. You lost. I decided to come here so I could see could I forgive you. You, who I have hated so terribly, I have borne my hatred for you up into the heavens and made a needle-sharp little star in the sky out of it. It's the star of Ethel Rosenberg's hatred, and it burns every year for one night only, June 19. It burns acid green. I came to forgive. But all I can do is take pleasure in your misery. Hoping I'd get to see you die more terrible than I did. And you are. Because you're dying in shit, Roy. Defeated. And you could kill me. But you couldn't ever defeat me. You never won. And when you die, all anyone will say is, better he had never lived at all. Ma, Ma is it? Ma? It's Ethel, Roy. Buddy, I feel bad. Who are you talking to, Roy? It's... it's good to see you, Ma. It's been years. I feel bad. Sing to me. 
I'm not your mother, Roy. It's cold in here. <clears throat> I'm up so late past my time. Don't be mad, Ma, I'm, but I'm scared. A little. Don't be mad. Sing me a song, please. I, I don't want to, Roy. I please. want your... It's scary out here. Oh, God. God, I'm so sorry. Steinzabocher uner tracht tracht und tracht a ganze Nacht femen zu nehmen um mit Farschämen, Femmen zu nehmen, um mit Farschämen. Tumba, la tumba, la tumba, la laika. Tumba, la tumba, la tumba, la laika. Tumba, la laika. Roy, are you? She crosses to the bed and looks at him, goes back to her chair. That's it. Belize enters and goes to the bed. Wake up. It's time to. Oh. Oh, you're... No, I'm not! I fooled you, Ethel. I knew who you were all along. <laughs> I can't believe you fell for that Ma stuff. I wanted to see if I could finally, finally make Ethel Rosenberg sing. I win! Oh, fuck. Fuck me. Like... Next time around, I don't want to be a man. I want to be an octopus. Remember that. Okay? A fucking old. Roy dies. Act five. Heaven, I'm in heaven. February. 1986. Scene one. Very late, same night. Pryor's hospital room. Hannah is sleeping in a chair. Pryor is standing on his bed. There, there is an eerie light on him. Hannah stares, moans a little, wakes up suddenly, and sees him. Turn the lights back on. Turn the lights. There is the sound of a silvery trumpet in the dark and a tattoo of faraway drums. Silence. Thunder. Then all over the walls, Hebrew letters appear, writhing in flames. The scene is lit by their light. The angel is there suddenly. She is dressed in black and looks terrifying. Hannah screams and buries her face in her hands. <laughs> Oh, 
I, 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 I have returned, Prophet. Thunder. And not according to plan. Take it back. I'm the cup. The book, whatever you left in me, I won't be its repository. I reject it. Help me out here. Help me. I don't, I don't, this is a dream. This is a dream. It's a dream. I don't think that's really the point right at this particular moment. I don't know. What, what was your idea? Reject the vision. You said. And... Uh, yes, but I thought it was more of a metaphorical. Precedent. You said. What am I supposed to do? You, you wrestle her. Say what? It, it's an angel. Uh, you just grab hold and say, oh, wait. What was it? Wait. Wait. Um, oh. Um, okay, grab her, say, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Then wrestle with her till she gives in. You wrestler. I don't know how to wrestle. I. The angel flies up into the air and lands right in front of Pryor. Pryor grabs her. She emits a terrible, impossibly loud, shuddering <laughs> eagle screech. Pryor and the angel wrestle. I... Will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Take back your book, anti-migration on it. So feeble. I can't believe you couldn't do better than that. Free me. Unfetter me. Bless me or whatever, but I will be let go. I, 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 I am the Continental Principality of America. I... I, I, I am the bird of prey. I will not be compelled. I... A great blast of music and a shaft of white light streams in through the blue mark. Within this incredibly bright column of light, there is a ladder of even brighter, purer light reaching up into infinity. At the conjunctions of each rung, there are flaming aleps. Entrance has been gained. Return the text to heaven. Can I come back? I don't want to go unless... You have prevailed, Prophet. You choose. Now release me. I have torn a muscle in my thigh. Big deal. My leg's been hurting for months. He releases the angel. He hesitates. He ascends. The room is instantly plunged into near darkness. The angel turns her attention. To Hannah. What? 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 You've not got no business with me. I, I didn't call you. You're his fever dream, not mine. And and he's gone now. And you should go too. I'm waking up right now. Nothing happens. The angel spreads her wings. The room becomes red hot. The angel extends her hands towards Hannah. Hannah walks towards her. Torn between immense unfamiliar desire and fear, Hannah kneels. The angel kisses her on the forehead and then the lips. A long, hot kiss. The body is the garden of the soul. Hannah has an enormous orgasm as the angel flies away to the accompanying glissando of a baroque piccolo trumpet. Scene two. Prior Walter is in heaven. 
He is dressed in prophet robes, reminiscent of Charlton Heston's Moses drag in the Ten Commandments. Prior is carrying the book of the anti-migratory epistle. Heaven looks mostly like San Francisco after the great 1906 quake. It has a deserted, derelict feel to it. Rubble is strewn everywhere. Seated on a wooden crate on a street corner is Harper playing with a cat. It's you, my imaginary friend. What are you doing here? Are you dead? Uh, no, uh, I just had sex. I'm not dead. Uh, where are we? Heaven. Heaven. I'm in heaven. That cat. That's little Sheba. Uh, well, she was wandering around. Everyone here wanders, or they sit in crates playing card games he heaven holy moly how did sheba die uh rat poison hit by a truck fight with an alley cat cancer another truck old age fell in the east river heartworms and one lost truck and it's true cats really have nine lives that was a joke <laughs> i don't know how she died I don't talk to cats. I'm I'm not that crazy. Just upset. We had sex and then he had to go. I drank an enormous glass of water and two Valiums or six. Maybe I overdosed like Marilyn Monroe. Did you die? No, I'm here on business. I can return to the world if I want to. Do you? I don't know. I know. Heaven is depressing, full of dead people and all, but life. To face loss, grace is key, I think, but it's impossible. All you ever do is lose and lose. But not letting go deforms you so. The world's too hard. Stay here with me. I can't. I feel like shit, but I've never felt more alive. I finally found the secret of all that Mormon energy. Devastation. That's what makes people migrate, build things. Heartbroken people do it. People who have lost love. Because I don't think God loves his people any better than Joe loves me. The string was cut and off they went. I have to go home now. I hope you come back. Look at this place. Can you imagine spending eternity here it's supposed to look like san francisco Ugh. oh but the real san francisco on earth is unspeakably beautiful unspeakably beautiful that's something i'd like to see harper and sheba vanish no she she took the cat come back you took the 
Goodbye, little Shiva. Goodbye. The scenery dissolves and is replaced by an interior, a great antechamber to the Hall of the Upper Orders. It looks remarkably like the San Francisco City Hall with much cracked plaster. The angel is standing there. Greetings, Prophet. We have been waiting for you. Scene three. 2 a.m. Roy's hospital room. Roy's body is on the bed. Ethel is sitting in a chair. Elise enters, then calls off in a whisper. Hurry. Lewis enters wearing an overcoat and dark sunglasses. Oh my God. Oh God. It's, oh, this is too weird for words. It's Roy Cones. It's so creepy here. I hate hospitals. I whining. We have to move fast. I'm supposed to call the duty nurse if his condition changes and it's changed. Take off those glasses. You look ridiculous. Lewis takes off the glasses. He has two black eyes, one cut. What happened to you? Elise touches the swelling near Lewis's eye. Ow, ow! Waves his hand. Expiation for my sins. What am I doing here? Expiation for your sins. I can't take the stuff out myself. I have to tell them he's dead and fill out all the forms. And I don't want them confiscating the medicine. I need a pack meal. So I called you. Why me? You hate me. I needed a Jew. You were the first to come to mind. What do you mean you needed? We're going to thank him for the pills. Thank him? What do you call the Jewish prayer for the dead? The Kaddish. That's the one. Hit it. Whoa, hold on. Do it. Do it or they'll be here to check and he... I'm not saying any fucking Kaddish for him. The drugs, okay, sure, fine, but no fucking way am I praying for him. My New Deal pinko parents in Schenectady would never forgive me. They're already so disappointed. He's a fag, he's an office temp, and now look, he's saying Kaddish for Roy Cohn. I can't believe you'd actually pray for- Lewis, I'd pray for you. He was a terrible person. He died a hard death, so maybe- a queen can forgive her vanquished foe. It isn't easy, doesn't count if it's easy. It's the hardest thing, forgiveness, which is maybe where love and justice finally meet. Peace at last. Isn't that what the Kaddish asks for? Oh, it's Hebrew. Who knows what it's asking? I'm 32 years old and I've never been in a room with a dead body before. It's so heavy and small. I know probably less of the Kaddish than you do, Belize. I'm, I'm, I'm an intensely secular Jew. I, I didn't even bar mitzvah. Do the best you can. Lewis puts a Kleenex on his head. Iskadal v'iskadash shmei rabah, shmei dekodsho, borei pri hagafen. No, that's the Kiddush, not the... Um, Shema Yisrael Adonai. This is silly, Belize. I can't... Bo'odomo divro hiruse ve'amlich marchuse. 
you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Ethel vanishes. Thank you, Lewis. You did fine. Fine? What are you talking about, fine? That was fucking miraculous. Scene four. 2 a.m. Joe enters the empty Brooklyn apartment, carrying the suitcase from Lewis's. I'm back. Harper? He switches on a light. Harper? Roy enters from the bedroom, dressed in a fabulous floor-length black velvet robe de chambre. Joe starts with terror, turns away, then looks again. Roy is still there. Joe is completely frightened. What are you doing here? It doesn't matter. No, no, no you're, you're not here. You... You lied to me. You you said cancer. You you said that. Sorry, my page got lost. Two fifty eight. Thank you. You are not here. You lied to me. You said cancer. You could have read it in the papers. AIDS. I didn't want you to get the wrong impression. You feel bad that you beat somebody. I want you to... He deserved it. No, he didn't. Everybody does. Everybody could use a good beating. I hurt him. I didn't mean to. I didn't want to, but I... I made him bleed. And he won't ever see me again. I won't... Louis... Oh, God, please go. Roy, you're really frightening me. Please, please go. Harper? Show me a little of what you've learned, baby Joe, out in the world. He kisses Joe softly on the mouth. Damn. I gotta shuffle off this mortal coil. I hope they have something for me to do in the great hereafter. I get bored easily. You'll find, my friend, that what you love will take you places you never dreamed you'd go. Boy vanishes. 
Harper enters. Joe and Harper stare at each other. Hope you didn't worry. Harper, where were you? A trip to the moon on gossamer wings. What? You want to get your hearing checked. You say that a lot. I was out with a friend in paradise. Scene five, heaven in the council room of the continental principalities. As the scene is being set, a voice proclaims. In the hall of the continental principalities, heaven, a city much like San Francisco, six of seven myriad infinite aggregate angelic entities in attendance. May their glorious names be praised forever and ever. Hallelujah. Permanent Emergency Council is now in session. The Continental Principalities sit around the table covered with a heavy tapestry on which is woven an ancient map of the world. The tabletop is covered with archaic and broken astronomical, astrological, mathematical, and nautical objects of measurement and calculation. Heaps and heaps and heaps of books and files and bundles of yellowing newspapers. Ink pots, clay tablets, styli, and quill pens. The great chamber is dimly lit by candles and a single great bulb overhead, the light of which pulses to the audible rhythmic surgings and waverings of a great unseen generator. At the center of the table is a single bulky radio, a 1940s model in very poor repair. It is switched on and glowing, and the angels are gathered around it, intent upon its dim, crackly signal. One week following the explosion into number four reactor, the fires were still burning and an estimated releasing into the atmosphere 50 million carries of radioactive iodine, 60 million carries of caesium and strutonium, releasing, rising in a plume over five miles high, carried by the winds of an area stretching from the Urals to thousands of miles beyond the Soviet borders. It when? April 26th. Sixty-two days from today. Where is this place, this reactor? Chernobyl, in Belarus. The static intensifies. We're losing the signal. The angels make mystic gestures. The signal returns. Falling like toxic snow into the Dnipia River, which provides drinking water for 35 million Russians, radioactive debris contaminating over 300,000 hectares of topsoil for a minimum of 30 years, and now hearing thousands of workers who have absorbed 50 times the lethal dose of BBC Radio reporting live from Chernobyl on the eighth day of the... The radio signal is engulfed in white noise and fades out. There is a long silence. It is unholy. This age is the threnody chant of a poet, a dark devising poet whose only theme is death. Hundreds, thousands will die. Horribly, hundreds of thousands. Millions. Let them, uncountable multitudes, horrible. It is by their own hands. I, I, I will rejoice to see it. That is forbidden us. Silence in heaven. (coughs) 
This radio is a terrible radio. The reception is too weak. A vacuum tube has died. Can it be fixed? It is beyond us. However, I, 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 I would like to know, what is a vacuum tube? It is a simple diode. Uh Aha. Within are an anode and a cathode. The positive electrons travel from the cathode across voltage fields. The cathode is, in fact, negatively charged. No positive. I, 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 I. This device ought never to have been brought here. It is a pandemonium. I, I, I agree. In diodes, we see manifest the self-same divided human consciousness, which has engendered the multifarious catastrophes to which we are impotent witness. You are correct. It is negative. Regardless of the charge, it is the absence of resistance. I, I, I do not weep for them. I, 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 I weep for the vexation of the blank spaces. I weep for the dancing light, for the irid... In irremedial wastage of fossil Between fuels, this old blood of the globe, and the mephitic of that diabolus, unto the that crystal reactor, air. there is not a scintilla of difference. Yes, but without it, O oh, most glorious intelligences, how would we maintain surveillance over human mischief with this? He brandishes an astrolabe. It is a conundrum. We cannot solve conundrums. If only he would return. I, 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 I do not know whether we have erred in transporting these dubious inventions. But if we refer to his codex of procedure, I, 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 I cannot recall which page, but... There is an enormous peal of thunder and a blaze of lightning. Prior and the Angel of America are in the chamber, standing before the council table. The principalities stare at prior. Most august fellow principalities, angels most high, I regret my absence at this session. I was detained. Uh, this is... The prophet. Yes. Ah. We were working. Making progress. Thunderclap. I, um, I want to return this. He holds out the book. No one takes it from him. What is the matter with it? It just, uh, it just, we can't stop. We're not rocks. Progress, migration, motion is modernity. Animates. It's what living things do. We desire. Even if all we desire is stillness, it's still desire for. Even if we go faster than we should, we can't wait. And wait for what? God. Thunderclap. God. Thunderclap. He isn't coming back. And even if he did, if he ever did come back, if he ever dared to show his face or his glyph or whatever in the garden again, if after all this destruction, if after all the terrible days of this terrible century, he returned to see, 
how much suffering his abandonment had created. If, if all he has to offer is death, you should sue the bastard. That's my only contribution to all this theology. Sue the bastard for walking out. How dare he? Thus spake the prophet. So, uh, thank you uh, for sharing this with me, but I don't, I don't want to keep it. He wants to live. Yes! I'm 30 years old, for God's sake. I haven't done anything yet. I, I want to be healthy again, and this plague it should stop in me. And everywhere, make it go away. Oh, we have tried. We suffer with you, but we do not know. We do not know how. This is the tome of immobility, of respite, of cessation. Drink of its bitter water once, prophet. And never thirst again. I can't. Prior puts the book on the table. He removes his prophet's robes, revealing the hospital gown underneath. He places the robe by the book. I still want my blessing. Even sick. I want to be alive. You only think you do. Life is a habit with you. You have not seen what is to come. We have. What will the grim unfolding of these latter days bring? That you or any being should wish to endure them? Death, more than plenteous than all heaven, has tears to mourn it. The slow dissolving of the great design, the spiraling apart of the work of eternity, the world and its beautiful particle logic all collapsed, all dead, forever, in starless, moonlorn, onyx night. We are failing, failing, the earth and the angels. The sound of a great generator failing, the lights dim. Look up. Look up. It is not to be time. Oh, who asks of the order's blessing with apocalypse descending? Who demands more life? When death like a protector blinds our eyes, shielding from tender nerve more horror than can be born. Let any being on whom fortune smiles creep away to death before that last dreadful daybreak when all your ravaging returns to you with the rising, scorching, unrelenting sun. When morning blisters crimson and bears all life away, a tidal wave of protean fire that curls around the planet and bears the earth clean as bone. Still, still, Bless me anyway. I want more life. I can't help myself. I do. I've lived through such 
terrible times. And there are people who live through so, so much worse. But you see them living anyway. When they're more spirit than body, more sores than skin. When they're burned in an agony. When flies lay eggs in the corner of the eyes of their children. They live. Death usually has to take life away. I don't know if that's just the animal. I, I don't know if it's not braver to die, but I recognize the habits, the, the addiction to being alive. We, we live past hope. If I can find hope anywhere, that's it. That's the best I can do. It's, it's so much not enough, so inadequate, but bless me anyway. I want more life begins to exit. The angels, unseen by prior, make a mystical sign. He turns again to face them. And if he returns, take him to court. He walked out on us. He ought to pay. Scene six. On the streets of heaven, Rabbi Isidore Chemelwitz and Sarah Ironson are seated on wooden crates with another crate between them. They are playing her cards. Prior enters. Excuse me, I'm looking for a way out of this. Do you? Oh, you're. Bosnelair. The Goyam. They visit mich wie sich ausdrücken. These Gentiles, they have no manners. Are you Sarah Ironson? I was at your funeral. You look. Just like your grandson. Lewis. I know him, Lewis. He, he never wanted you to find out. But did you know he's gay? Me? Lewis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aries the Fagala. Fagala. Oi. Why does everyone here play cards? Why? Das Goy will wissen wer fos mir spielen in Korn. The Goy wants to know why we play cards. Okay. <laughs> cards is strategy, but mostly a game of chance. In heaven, everything is known. To the great questions are lying about here, like yesterday's newspaper, all the answers. So from what comes the pleasure of paradise? Indeterminacy. Because, mister, with the angels, may their names be always worshipped and adored, it is all gloom and doom and give up already. But still, is there accident in this pack of playing cards? Still is there the unknown, the future? You understand me? It ain't all so much mechanical as they think. You got another question? I want to go home. Oh, simple. Here, uh, to do this, every Kabbalist on earth would sell his right nut. Penul, Penal, Yaakov, Beskisirel, kill you, kill me, oh, man. The ladder, the music, and the lights. Prior starts to descend. Nay, Zog Lubo as Debob is got. 
she says, tell this Louis grandma says. Er is Tomid Gavin Bicile Far Blanget showing via Boistical overseas Neist kind Anstungunk. From when he was a boy, he was always mixed up, but it's no excuse. He should have visited, uh, but I forgive. Tell him, as er doch ringen mit sein lieben Nomen, ja? You should struggle with the Almighty. As he tuta yid. It's the Jewish way. Scene seven. It's morning the next day. Prior descends from heaven and slips into bed. Belize is sleeping in a chair. Ooh, ooh, I'm exhausted. You've been working hard. Hmm, I feel terrible. Welcome back to the world. From where? I. Oh. Oh. I... Emily enters. Oh, well, look at this. It's the dawn of man. Venus rising from the sea. I'm wet. Fever broke. It's a good sign. They'll be in to change you in... Mrs. Pitt, did she? In fait, sa toilette. Elle est très formidable, Where did you find her? We found each other. She... I've had... A remarkable dream, and you were there, and you. And Hannah enters. And you. And some of it was. Oh, and some of it was terrible, and some of it was, was wonderful. But all the same, I kept saying I want to go home, and they sent me. What are you talking about? Thank you. I just slept in the chair. She saved my life. I did no such thing. I slept in the chair. Being in hospital upsets me. It reminds me of things. I have to go home now. I had the most peculiar dream. There's a knock on the door. It opens. Lewis enters. And I come in. I have to start rounds. You're one of the lucky ones. I could give you a rose. You rest your weary bones. What are you? What happened to you? Visible scars. You said. Oh, Lewis, you're so goddamn little about everything. I'm going now. You'll come back. If I can, I have things to take care of. Please do. I have always depended on the kindness of strangers. Well, that's a stupid thing to do. Who's she? You really don't want to know. Before I depart, a homecoming gift. Belize puts a shoulder bag in Pryor's lap. Pryor opens it. It's full of bottles of pills. What? I can't read the label. I, uh, mm, my eyes aren't any better. AZT? What earth did you... Well, these are hot pills. I'm shocked. Contribution to the Get Well Fund from a bad fairy. 
these pills, they, they make you better. They're poison. They make you anemic. This is my life. From now on, Lewis, I'm not getting better. I'm not sure I'm ready to do that to my bone marrow. We can talk about it tomorrow. I'm going home to nurse my grudges. Ta, baby. Sleep all day. Ta, Lewis. You sure know how to clear a Zoom. He's exits. Prior. I want to come back to you. Scene eight. Same morning. Split scene. Lou and Pryor in Pryor's hospital room as before. Harper and Joe in Brooklyn as at the end of Act 5, Scene 4. I want your credit card. That's all. You can keep track of me from where the charges come from. If you want to keep track of me, I don't care. I have some things to tell you. We shouldn't talk. I don't want to do that anymore. Credit card. I don't know what will happen to me without you. Only you. Only you love me. Out of everyone in the world. I have done things. I'm ashamed. But I have changed. I, I don't know how yet, but please, please don't leave me now. Harper, you're my good heart. She looks at him, she walks up to him and slaps him hard. Did that hurt? Yes. Remember that, please. If I can get a job or something, I'll cut the card to pieces. There won't be charges anymore. Credit card. Joe takes out his wallet, gives her his card. Call or call. You have to. No, probably never again. That's how bad. Sometimes maybe lost is best. Get lost, Joe. Go exploring. Harper digs in the sofa. She removes her Valium stash. She shakes out two pills, goes to Joe, takes his hand, and puts the Valium in his open palm. With a big glass of water. I want to come back to you. You could respond, you could say something, throw me out, or say it's fine, or it's not fine, but sure, what the hell, or... I really failed you, but th this is hard. Failing in love isn't the same as not loving. It doesn't let you off the hook. It doesn't mean you're free to not love. I love you, Lewis.
Good. I love you. I really do. But you can't come back. Not ever. I'm sorry, but you can't. C9. Roy, in heaven, or hell, or purgatory, standing waist-deep in a smoldering pit, facing a great flaming aleph, which bathes him and the whole theater in a volcanic, pulsating red light. Underneath, a basso profundo roar, like a thousand bessemer furnaces going at once, deep underground. Paternity suit? Abandonment? Family court is my particular metier. I'm an absolute fucking demon with family law. Just tell me who the judge is and what kind of jewelry does he like. If it's a jury, it's harder. Juries take more talk, but sometimes it's worth it. Going jury for what it says, it saves you in bribes. Yes, I will represent you, king of the universe. Yes, I will sing and eviscerate. I will bully and seduce. I will win for you and make the plaintiffs whose traitors, those traitors, wish they had never heard the name of... Huge thunderclap. Is it a deal? Are we on? Good. Then I gotta start by telling you, you ain't got a case here. You're guilty as hell, no questions. You have nothing to plead, but not to worry, darling. I will make something up. Scene 10. That night, Lewis and Pryor remain from the previous scene. Joe is sitting alone in Brooklyn. Harper appears. She's in a window seat on board a jumbo jet, airborne. Night flight to San Francisco. Chase the moon across America. God, it's been years since I was on a plane. When we reach 35,000 feet, we'll have reached the tropopause. The great belt of calm air as close as I'll ever get to the ozone. I dreamed we were there. The plane leapt the tropopause, the safe air, and attained the outer run the ozone, which was ragged and torn, patches of it threadbare as old cheesecloth, and that was frightening. But I saw something only I could see, because of my astonishing ability to see such things. Souls were rising from the earth, far below. Souls of the dead, of people who had perished from famine, from war, from the plague, and they floated up like Skydivers in reverse, limbs all akimbo wheeling and spinning, and the souls of these departed joined hands, clasped ankles, and formed a web, a great net of souls, and the souls were three atom oxygen molecules of the stuff of ozone, and the outer rim absorbed them and was repaired. Nothing's lost forever. In this world, there is a kind of painful progress, longing for what we've left behind and dreaming ahead. At least I think so. Epilogue. Bethesda. February 1990. Pryor, Lewis, Belize, and Hannah sitting on the rim of the Bethesda fountain in Central Park. <clears throat> it's a bright day, but cold. Pryor, is heavily bundled, and he has thick glasses on, and he supports himself with a cane. 
Hannah is noticeably different. She looks like a New Yorker, and she's reading the New York Times. Lewis and Belize are arguing. The Bethesda angel is above them all. The Berlin Wall has fallen. The Ceausescus are out. He's building democratic socialism, the new internationalism. Gorbachev is the greatest political thinker since Lenin. I don't think we know enough yet to start canonizing him. The Russians hate his guts. Yeah, but remember back four years ago, the whole time we were feeling everything everywhere was stuck while in Russia. Look, perestroika, the thaw. It's the end of the Cold War. The whole world is changing overnight. I wonder what will happen now in places like Yugoslavia. Let's just turn the volume down on this, okay? They'll be at it for hours. It's not what they're saying isn't important. It's just, this is my favorite place in New York City. No, the whole universe. The parts of it I've seen on a day like today. A sunny winter's day, warm and cold at once. The sky is a little hazy. The sunlight has a physical presence, a character. In autumn, those trees across the lake are yellow, and the sun strikes those most brilliantly. Against the blue of the sky, that sad fall blue, those trees are more light than vegetation. They are Yankee trees, New England transplants. They're barren now. It's January 1990. I've been living with AIDS for five years. That's six whole months longer than I lived with Lewis. Whatever comes, what you have to admire in Gorbachev, in the Russians, is that they're making a leap into the unknown. You can't wait around for a theory. The sprawl of life, the weird interconnectedness. Yes! Maybe the sheer size of the terrain. It's all too much to be encompassed by a single theory now. The world is faster than the mind. That's what politics is, the world moving ahead, and only in politics does the miraculous occur. But that's a theory. You can't live in the world without an idea of the world, but it's living that makes the ideas. You can wait for a theory, but you have to have a theory. Go no, as my grandma would say. This angel, she's my favorite angel. I like them best when they're statuary. They commemorate death, but they suggest a world without dying. They are made of the heaviest things on earth. Stone, iron, they weigh tons, but they're winged. They're engines and instruments of flight. This is the angel Bethesda. Lewis will tell you her story. Oh, um, uh, well, she was this angel. Uh, She landed in the Temple Square in Jerusalem in the days of the Second Temple, right in the middle of a working day. She descended, and just her foot touched the earth. And where it did, a fountain shot up from the ground. When the Romans destroyed the temple, the fountain of Bethesda ran dry. And Belize will tell you about the nature of the fountain before its flowing stopped. If anyone who is suffering in the body or the spirit walked through the waters of the fountain of Bethesda, they would be healed, washed clean of pain. They know this because I've told them many times. 
uh, Hannah here told it to me. She also told me this. When the millennium comes. Not the year 2000, but the capital M, millennium. Right. The fountain of Bethesda will flow again. And I told him I would personally take him there to bathe. We will all bathe ourselves clean. Not literally in Jerusalem. I mean, we don't want this to have sort of Zionist implications. We Right on. Uh, but on the other hand, we do recognize the right of the state of Israel to exist. But the West Bank should be a homeland for the Palestinians and the Golan Heights should... Well, not both the West Bank and the Golan Heights. I mean, no one supports Palestinian rights more than I do, but... Oh, yeah, Louis. Like, not even the Palestinians are more devoted than... I'm almost done. The fountain's not flowing now. They turn it off in the winter, ice in the pipes. But in the summer, it's a sight to see. I want to be around to see it. I plan to be. I hope to be. This disease will be the end of many of us, but not nearly all. And the dead will be commemorated and will struggle on with the living. And we are not going away. We won't die secret deaths anymore. The world will only spin forward. We will be citizens. The time has come. By now, <laughs> you are fabulous creatures, each and every one. And I bless you. More life. The great work begins. End of play. <laughs>